search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome everyone to episode number 36 of the Broken by Concept podcast. My name is Nathan Mott. I help people get better at jungling. This is my co-host, Coach Curtis, the man with the mysterious last name, and he helps people get better at the middle lane. Welcome. All right, Curtis. So what I'm going to start with here. Yep. The Super Bowl just finished. Oh, who won? Tom Brady has won his seventh ring. Wow. And I have some statistics. Oh my God. So it's really funny because we're, cause we're, we're Australian. We never knew about NFL growing up. No. We knew nothing about it. I right? didn't even, it didn't even come onto my radar until I was like 16 or something. Yeah. Why did it come onto your radar? Just people in my friendship group followed it, and they did draft fantasy football. God, it's like big because they're like they're like we're big into American sports yeah, and stuff, right? All into American sports. My but, friendship group. Yeah, me growing up, never like like for some reason like so. This is the thing that got me into NFL. I, don't, I can't remember exactly when it was, but um, ever I always heard this name Tom Brady, and I was like, oh, all right, like like who is this guy? You know, because um, this is when he was like winning. It must have been in early 2011, 12, right? Well, you so you heard about him then. Yeah, well, maybe it was maybe it was twenty fifteen or something like that. Maybe it, was, it must must have been maybe I think it was after high school. Sorry, you heard about him. So because I, I don't even it must have been eighteen or nineteen. I didn't really know anything about NFL until I started like reading a little bit about. Well, that's sports. when you started to bring that yeah. up to me. That's when I went really deep. But so I heard about this Tom Brady guy, and then I did some research, and he wasn't the stereotype. He wasn't what I thought was the best player in the NFL. Like the way that I viewed the NFL, what, what was did like. You think? It's like the big, like college, like really big build, like right. and like their attitude, like really like Chad alpha. and like alpha. Right. But Tom Brady just surprised me off yeah. the bat. My initial reaction again, I remember my initial reaction, like this is interesting. He's like a bit of like an introvert, like nerdy dude, yeah. very lanky build, and it, it, it uh, that just came on my radar, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's not what I thought an NFL, the best player in the NFL, would look like. Mm. Um, but that was just that was just a little touch, and then it wasn't until you started reading those books about Bill Walsh and stuff like that. Then I started getting. It was probably like two, three years ago when we we're getting. Into yeah, it was, NFL. it was probably in twenty. Started coming on a radar in what twenty seventeen, like early twenty eighteen. And you were just fascinated with all the coaches because we learned a lot for the coaching because you used that for your coaching philosophy, didn't you? Yeah, Dials. Sean McVay in from the um, LA Rams. Yep. And before that, Bill Walsh yeah. was a big my big influence. He was the coach of uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, and then I went down that rabbit hole and just started like reading, learning about players. And then, uh, that other player that I used to really like, uh, what his name now? You talking about Joe Montana and, and no, not the guy from the 49ers, the guy who played for the Ravens. Oh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Then I got into the Ray Lewis and yeah. I like, went down that rabbit hole and just kind of went down like all you started, these... We started respecting the sport because again, I didn't mm. never respect the sport. I thought it was just a bunch of jocks. Like, like... Well, I, the thing is what I, what I really underestimated about American football was the fact that it was incredibly strategic mm. and attention to detail and all these little intricacies about the game. And I saw a lot of parallels between League of Legends and... Um, American football in the sense that there's a there's a reset where like you go back to base and I kind of viewed like each Got line it. of scrimmage as an as like a mm. tempo play mm. and you know kind of everyone's even tempo in a way but I just kind of like that idea and I started thinking about it in in that way and then and I, I for me NFL was just a big influence because I, I view NFL coaching to be the pinnacle of coaching across any sport because it's such an in, it's such a 
it covers a wide spectrum of a sport, doesn't it? You've got the athletic side, you've got the mental side, you've got the the strategic side, the tactical side. You've got like all these little elements, and it's such a big operation. And to be a head Logistics, coach, yeah, yeah, to be a head coach of an actual NFL team or American football, even college football, it's it's an absolute feat. Like it's impressive, incredibly impressive. And I took a lot of inspiration from those coaches. And then there was a series on Amazon Prime. Remember that? Yeah, what was that one? It was called. Anyway, there's a series on Amazon Prime that goes behind the scenes and follows the season of an uh, entire season of a uh, NFL team, and then just started getting into that. And I was like, "Wow, these these coaches, these are real coaches. Real coaches. This is a real coach, not esports coaches. They have like amazing um, key messages. They have a standard of performance. They have a you know routine. We're talking schedule, and they they have amazing relationships with their players." Not, not like in the sense of their friends, but professional respect. relationships, Pro- amazing professional relationships. And that's something I always strive for. I'm like, how can I, you know, this is not really spoken about that often in league, but having a really professional relationship with a player is unbelievably difficult. Unbelievable. Mm. Especially the problem with esports is that the, the coaches are so close to age as the players. That's our problem. Yeah. You got like this different. Usually like in, co- in NFL coaches, they're like 30, 40, 50s, yeah. things like that. They're like, oh, cause Sean McVay was the youngest. He was, he was the youngest and he got a lot of controversy being the youngest coach at 31. Think about that. Think about Bill Belichick, how old he is. Yeah. Isn't he like isn't 60s? He, yeah. I thought he was in the yeah. 60s or something. He's, He's like old hell. Yeah. Right. So like, there's instantly that age level of respect. You That's know? right. You respect your elders and he, what he's done. He's studied the game for that long. But in league, that that really isn't a thing. Um, or the age difference is very uh, similar. But also in league, unfortunately, the way esports has been, it's like you're in a gaming house and you kind of live with them in a way. Like now there's less gaming houses and you have your own individual rooms and things like that. But mm. you spend a lot of time with each other. Mm. A lot of time. Which I think kind of, it's a little bit different in, 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 in traditional sport. There's more separation from the coaching staff. Yeah. And, and there's more of that respect in a way because coaching staff in traditional sports have way more power. Oh, this is the cat. You can see the cat. Oh, what's the Pan cat's Pan. name, Curtis? Pan Pan. Come here, Pan Pan. Well, he's, he's walked he'll, across. He'll make many appearances in this Pan podcast, I'm sure. He's not listening to you, Curtis. Um, and there, there's no threatening of like the bench. There is no, you can't just send someone on the bench in a way. For league teams. For league teams, you know, you've got a main roster, they got to stay on the main roster, which I think also changes the relationship a lot. It's like, what, why do I need to really listen to him in a way? There's just not that level of, mm. yeah. Um, and just, we all, we just know the level of maturity across the league comparative. Like, you have to have a certain amount of maturity to become a top level athlete across other sports because of the process. You've got to go through the, you know, the amateur system into the college system, into the, like the, imagine going from like the amount of competition and how brutal that process is to go from like a high school basketball player, go through the high school program into the college program, into the and an NBA, like that program, mm. the coaches you would have to go through, mm. the people you're going to compete with, the mental, the dedicate, like we're talking, you know, you got to be incredibly mentally strong to get to that point. And and the players that do get to the and point, mature. they're very professional. Very players, professional. By the time know? they're already in, they're there. Well, I mean, the, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. It's like a twenty-year-old's like again professional mindset. Like, I mean, you see athletes all the time say so they're just a bit idiots in yeah. their twenties. But in terms of their approach to practice, they, approach they, to practice, they, you've yeah. got it because you don't make it to that top yeah. level. They all have a schedule. They have yeah. a routine. They have they have they've been doing that for years. They, they have people. They know how to work with other people. They've just done that. 
Um, you know, which we're getting there probably slowly in the league. Like right now, we just haven't seen it. It'll take time. But anyway, we went on a bit of a tangent there. But yeah, Tom Brady. So here's some stats, Curtis, which is just incredible, right? So this is most Super Bowl victories by any franchise. Tom Brady is has won more Super Bowl f- um, titles than any franchise in the in the Super Bowl. Second comes in at Patriots, which he helped achieve. Then Pittsburgh Steelers at six, San Francisco 49ers at five, Dallas Cowboys at five. A lot of these teams have been around since I looked it up. The Green Bay Packers were founded in 1919. So in 20 years, Tom Brady has got more Super Bowl victories than organization entire organizations that have been around for 100 years. It's unbelievable. Is that not unbelievable? I, it's just blown away. Tom Brady's 43 years old, okay? 43. He's the oldest quarterback to ever win um, a Super Bowl. And the and this is the most crazy thing as well. This is something I didn't even talk to you about, Curtis. Um, so he, well, with the Patriots, he played in the Western Conference, I think. I but, don't know how the what teams are in what conference. Yeah, so so he played in one conference for yeah. like his entire yeah, career. Yeah, the Patriots. He actually moved to a different <clears throat> oh, conference. Whole, so the whole new whole, he never played against these people wow. the first year, right? And this is this is the conference with Rogers and stuff like that, Aaron right? Rogers. Yeah. And then someone was saying people were somehow still trying to debate Brady's goat status. So the men casually went on to beat uh, Breeze, Roger, yeah, Drew Breeze, and yeah. Mahomes on the way to Super Bowl seven. Wow. So he's beating the best in the game. In the first time he's yeah, played against them. Yeah, Mahomes is one of the Redskins, is he? Pretty you know? Sure. Yeah. It's just oh. incredible. Wow. You know? And he's 43 years old and like, wow. it's just, I was I was going back to some other interviews, right? This just sounds like a just huge fanboy for the team, Brady. Yeah, we, we, we are big fanboys, but you guys, all of you have to watch, I, highly, I mean, not have to, but I highly recommend you watch Tom versus Time as a series. On Facebook. Facebook did this series on Tom Brady, behind the scenes, his personal life, his process, his schedule. Unbelievable! In that documentary, count how many times he uses the word "mental." Go back and watch that. Like he views, he views the game of NFL so much in terms of a mental sport, and that's what we think about league as well. You know, there's so many, there's so many overlaps. Even though it's a physical sport, like Tom Brady. I mean, if if he's the best player of all time, he's the goat by far. In, in he's NFL. the goat of NFL. He's saying that stuff. That's interesting. So, in my opinion. He is the greatest of all time, greatest athlete of all time. Mm. I, I personally believe, across any sport, across any timeline. Twenty years up there in my insane. mind. You got you know Mayweather in boxing. Mm. I think is is relatively close. Mm. There's some amazing athletes in other sports, like you know even Roger Federer and things like that. What Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan, you know, unbelievable. Mm. It's hard to say, but for me, Tom Brady, I think. He really has, for his age, because for me, what I value, because, okay, let's actually break down what a grateful all-time, because people will probably emphasize other certain things. Is it how many championships? Yeah. Is it how many teams? Is it um, across, like, an, did he start really, you know, did he have a really long playing what career? What players did he play with? What What was his team? His, his teams like? Um, or LeBron James, you know, players like this. But, but the reason what I respect um, Tom Brady is that, it's the just the damn consistency. Mm. It's the, the he didn't like randomly take a break, hasn't he? He hasn't like. Just, I don't think so. I don't no. think he's taking a break where he's like. Think I think it, he, did he have some suspension for that deflate guy? I think a little bit maybe something like yeah. that. But it wasn't like Michael Jordan like he won and then he like baseball baseball and then come back type thing. It wasn't like a um like a, what's his name Tiger Woods and had all those shenanigans and things like that. He's like stuck it out mm. and 
just performed consistently. He, he's lost as well. Remember, he lost and then came back again. Mm. He's like been through the downs and ups mm. and everything. And he's just stayed consistent. Consistency for me is the, the trait that I value the highest when we're, when we're comparing the greatest of all times. Um, and I think the age is a testament. Because like, think about... How, okay, people don't realize this. Staying at the top is much, much, much harder than winning. We had this at Diawals, right? Mm, mm. So in Diawals in 2017, mm. we won split one at the top. One split two at the top. 2018, staying at the top and winning 2018 was one of the hardest things I've so ever hard. done in my life. It's yeah. unbelievable. Mm. We had, and then we won 2018 split one, which is with a, pretty much a new team. We had a new uh, support and we had a new mid laner. And then we even brought in a new top lane. Then we lane brought a rookie two. top lane. So we nearly two. had a full full new roster. Yeah. In split two, and then yeah. we won split two again. So we won four splits in a row, and that was at the peak of OPL competitive. This was when all the best players were in OPL. We had this Ryoma, Lost, FBI, uh, Destiny, Rays, all the Barbit. Like we had all the best players in the league at that time. That was when OPL was at its peak, and we won again. And the pressure that is on you. Because everyone is learning more from you than mm. you're learning from them. That's the thing. Because we're winning scrims all the time. They start learning and some scrim matter. And then when we start losing scrims, that starts hurting us now as well. And um, that's what I respect a lot, man. About Because so, imagine how many people could have studied Tom Brady and how he mm. did it. Mm. <laughs> they could have studied his process even. You know, they could have been at him to start his VOD. VOD. They had 20 years to do it. teams on him. Yeah. Teams of people volunteering. <laughs> yeah. Not just one person. We've got teams, people. And everyone knows Tom Brady. Everyone knows him. Yeah. He's been around for that long and he's again and again and again. Switches team wins again. Yeah. That's just the crazy thing. It's incredible. Um, so, yeah, prop, props to him, dude. And so, I guess right now, we got it. We got to now compare this with League. Mm. And we kind of briefly talked about this today, but Faker. Mm. Faker is... You know, without a doubt, the greatest of all time in league. Well, he's won the most uh, titles. Most titles. Think about it. He is now starting to tick the box of consistency. Age. Age. Time. Time so the, tells all. There was that Reddit post, right? So that was talking about he made a he made a he did an interview saying he thinks that age isn't as much as a factor that people think. Was that what? Well, the, yeah. Let, let's talk about this because I, I tend to agree, but. Um, Let's go, let's go a little bit deeper here. So, yeah, there was a Reddit thread where Faker was interview, I believe, he had with Ashley Kang um, talking about... I didn't actually watch the entire interview, so let me preface this. I did not watch the interview, but okay. I saw the quote. Yeah. And I went through the Reddit That's comments. That's dangerous, Curtis. It's you're, dangerous. Looking at, you're looking at the title clickbait. Yeah. You know, so, so of context. If, if I'm wrong here, then you can roast me in the comments. But it, it, paraphrasing here, it was something along the lines of, you know, I want to prove that age isn't as big as a factor. And I'm going to do that by winning more championships, right? Which, you know, that is probably the only, that is the only way you're going to be able to prove that. Now, already he is the greatest of all time. And we kind of, we didn't we talk about this with Zabatine in the last, we spoke a little bit about how I think there won't be another Faker. one like Faker yeah. because of the way the game has evolved. Yeah. Now, a part of me thinks that yes, the average age of the LC, like a pro player will increase because like you said, Nathan, you were talking to me today about how there's going to be, it's going to be harder to be on a main roster. You're going to have to go through the academy program or the amateur program, then the academy program. Then finally, you're going to be, you know, probably really in that org for a while, then slowly get put on for a, like a 10-man roster or something like that and subbed in a few games. Then finally, you'll kind of take their spot. Like there'll be a long-term process. So you'll come in in the organization at like 16, 17. So why doesn't that happen now? 
Well, I think we're starting to see that now. In SKT, they do a 10-man roster. Okay. And they swap in mid and, mid and closer and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And Gumiyashi and Teddy and things like that. They swap them out and they do a 10-man roster. That's what the standard's going to be. They're going to be in the amateur, in the academy, and then they'll slowly sub them in. And then if they start to perform, then that's the, the guy who will take their place, right? But this is a process that's going to take, you know, across all the teams, years to develop this program and this, this, this pipeline. And someone's going to be coming in at the age of 16, 17 to the organization. And then they're probably going to be there for two, three, four years, potentially. And they, might, they won't even begin their pro career till 21. That's what it should be like. Because the process of becoming a pro player should be incredibly difficult. Um, now, on top of this, I do think that it really depends on the way you conduct yourself as well. And your role. I think there's an element of role and how long your career can be. Because I think a role like mid lane or even 80 carry is incredibly difficult to be a long-term player. I think within top lane, I think within jungle, and I even think within support, you could probably even have longer playing careers. It's just because those those roles are so mechanically demanding. Well, mechanically, but also... Well, no, but I think those, those roles, those other roles are more knowledge base in a way okay actually it's hard to say that actually let's explore this because i mean i've never th- this just come on top of my head i mean let's let's look at people like bjergsen and faker so faker's a mid laner it's funny because those two those two players wait did you put top in there as well okay let, let's let's go back before we get to the roles thing then let's actually just break down then why why a playing career currently isn't as long as we would like or people would like it to be my, my theory is that it's purely because... Not because of the... People say it's mechanics. I don't think it's mechanics. I mean, you keep saying, Curtis, you think you're mechanically better than you were at 18 years old right That's now. That's right. I do. Yeah. I think my micro is much better than it was ever. Yeah. Now. Uh, it's gotten better. So my micro has gotten better with age. And I used to think it wasn't, but it actually has. It was just an invisible narrative. It's an invisible narrative, and I broke it down, and I realized that my micro is actually better than it ever was. Um, I would say the biggest reason is not micro why people it's it's purely burnout and adapting to change and figuring out the new meta again and again and again like that is it, it is incredibly taxing mentally draining so this is something that traditional sports don't suffer no, from because the game's the same or like yes it will evolve but much slower much much slower you can literally be playing a completely different set of champions or a completely, a, a, a completely different type of League of Legends within the space of like two weeks, mm. a month. Some patch comes out, patch fun comes or out, like comes out, and now you know Moonstone, whatever that hot thing is, Moonstone, Star for Flowing Water, Meta, and you're gonna play Lulu mid, and you've been playing whatever it is. I know because my argument here is that the best plays that's their job to adapt. I agree. I and think it's part of the job. And it's like someone like Faker, he's adapted through seven years. You know, you know, like he adapted well, yeah, he has. He, he four years, like in the span of season, he, what, did he win season seven? No, season seven was Samsung, I'm pretty sure. Oh, but he was in that, he was in the yeah, world they, championship. So they won and then they lost. I don't know which, yeah. So they, they lost in season seven, I believe. Season six, they won. That's right. Yeah. And season seven, Samsung So if you, that's as he was adapting for four years, Curtis. I think. Four years. Right. Bjergsen was winning championships. He adapted since season four. That's seven years. I think that's a cop-out, guys. So, so, so you actually just think that people are going to be playing for, for ages now? 
Yeah. You think it's possible? I do think it's very possible. I think that, and this is my question, right? Like, let, let's say, let's say, because think about, think about some players that have stuck around for a long period of time. Who's left, right? Impact. Impact. That's what I said. That's interesting. Top lane. Top lane. Wait, who's the 100 Thieves? Top laner again? Someday. Someday. He's been for a very long time. Look at that one. That's another adapting one and 100 Thieves he, doing and well. he's still really good. Yeah. He's like the, one of the best. You know, um, Jensen. Uh, Jensen been around for an incredibly long time. Even if he wasn't playing competitive, he's been playing at a high level That's right. in solo queue as his, you know, remember incarnation and things like that. Sort of the opposite. Jungle gets gets That is true, actually. Jungle has been the one. And support as well. That is true. Where's the specials of the world? Where's the Meteos these days? That is true. Where's Blank? And Blank still plays. Uh, yeah, Blank still plays. For which team? He plays in LCK now. Oh, does he really? Yeah, I Oh, saw fascinating. Him. Yeah, okay, he, well, he there plays you go. In LCK now. That's one example. He plays for like one of the, I can't remember which team. Freak or something. I don't know. So my question is, is, is why do these older players not, why is the value, why don't organizations see the value there anymore? Why is a 16, 17 year old so much more attractive than, than a 24 year old with experience? Is it purely mechanics? Yeah, because, there, because you know what it is, Curtis, it, it is coaches yeah. getting fed up with like attitudes and stuff like that. Like, cause, yeah. cause the, 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 cause this is what happens is the 17 year old, or 18-year-old on that team, he's like the more up-and-coming... T- he's like, all right, I'm sick of this 24-year-old guy yeah. telling me what to do. Like, he's, I, he, I can't even really respect him anymore. Yeah. There, there's no respect no, for no, the older no. players. There's a few things. There's so many things here. You're spot on. You hit the nail on the head. Okay. It's actually not the player. It's the coaching staff. Okay. Think about this. It is a player as well. So there's yeah. so many little... There's so many reasons here why we, we don't see the older players. A lot of them get incredibly comfortable. Mm. We haven't seen... We, we very rarely see players... Like push, because because you know because you know how you said there's no that there's no college system. There's no college. There's, th- they, they didn't learn how to push. They 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 did push themselves for a brief period of time, but they, it comes down to process. They stay there's, hungry. They don't there's stay no hungry. there's no long term process like the Tom Brady. If you go watch a Tom verse time, he talks about his weakest schedule. I can almost guarantee you that the players that are no longer around, if you were to break down their schedule. Um, it, there's no consistency sure. there. like Crown. What Zabatine was talking about, Crown. Yeah, right? there you go. There's no system. He just no. grinded his ass. I've got like, it. Zabatine couldn't even tell us what made him good. No. He couldn't tell us, which is fascinating to me. If, if you could look at Tom Brady, watch could, the Tom vs. Time. Oh, bang. that makes sense. Bam. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Oh, you enjoy their process. That's it's, right. They're, they're inevitably going to be good no matter what. It doesn't matter. And it didn't even know, matter what those people would do. They would apply themselves to anything. Their work ethic and dedication and their, their approach to learning in general is so good. Mm. It, it couldn't be basketball. It could have been any sport. It could have been any investing, trading, coding. It could have been anything. They would have been great at it. What um, shoots these players in the foot well, that's is, one element. Is, the, is that the hunger. Is that the way they became pro, it's just at the end of the day, I, I mean, I can't really say because it, it is still very difficult to become a professional League of Legends player, but it's just not the same. When you're professional status in League of Legends, it's not the same as any of those and other so, sports. And, and the biggest thing, compare this is, and, and to if you guys are unsure or disagree with this statement, that's fine. But think about um, you playing basketball when you're 10 years old and then you've got these super competitive fathers and coaches, even with 10, 12-year-olds. And they're, they're, it's hardcore. You go to a basketball arena or a basketball court, your local local one. We're not even talking like any high level. We're talking just a local basketball. You've got like people yelling. You've got aggressive dads and families <laughs> and coaches. And like, yeah, that starts at incredibly young. And yeah. Compare that with league. You don't get anything. You're, just, you're in your bedroom playing solo queue. Talking to your friends on Discord, on YouTube, in between games. On Facebook. Mm. That's it. 
That's 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 what you're dealing with, right? So so you just have a different breeding. The breeding ground is just different, mm. which you know maybe it ha- maybe it does develop different skills, Nathan, that we're not unsure of. Maybe we don't know, but I know for sure that it's not discipline and it's not that you know that process, that hunger, that things like that. It's not. It's, if I again, if I compare the best League of Legends players to someone like Tom Brady. They're not even close in terms of process and consistency process, and, and no. schedule and and mindset towards the game. There's no Kobe of league. No, and there's f- no Michael Jordan. Faker's of the league. closest one, but we don't know that. We don't much know about Faker. Faker. We actually no. don't even know much about his process. No. Now, yeah. So going on further on about why that we don't see the older players. Um, another one as well is I feel like a lot of them get stuck in their way, and what happens, Nathan? We know this. Coaching staff, when they like, you know, when they're trying to adapt or play their, um, they're trying to create their team's identity and things like that. We know how easy it is as a coach, as like a team and a coaching staff to like fumble around meta to meta without like all leaning on your identity as a team. Think about this. Okay. This kind of plays contradictory to my initial argument with TSM. Mm. Power of Evil in a way, if he was good enough and really good at his unique champions, you know, TSM, they could like, you could like build a team around him. And like highlight his strengths. I think that's what they have done with Huni, isn't it? That's what that they're it? trying to do. Yeah. I don't think Huni is a good compliment. I mean, well, the idea is he plays carry laners and he but plays. Huni doesn't even like win lane. He's just literally like losing lane and stuff. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um. But like you, that could theoretically work because like you just have to all in on that champion's identity and that player's identity. But a lot of teams don't do that. They're like, okay, this guy can only play X. Yeah, they, they make the players worse they by telling the them they worse. have to do something you else. You have to adapt. We have to do this. We have to do this. And like, they don't all in on the, the players' like, oh, strengths in mm. a way, which I feel like, I feel like if done well could work. But to be honest, to be honest with you, man, I kind of feel like that even runs counter. Maybe maybe that's just bullshit because, like we said, the best players have to have be able to adapt. adapt. So that's maybe right. that's Power of Evil is just not a great player there. Yeah. Um, the other one I said, Nathan, was, um, I think that. A older player. Okay, think about this. A coach coming in, if they're not really, really sound and know how to build great relationships, what would be the easiest way to to circumvent that or go around that problem? It would be just to get very young, malleable minds that would listen to everything you say and can pick up any champion, can do anything, and they're just like your play toy in a way. Like, just do this. You pick up a 17-year-old mid laner who was, you know, they're terrified going into an organization mm. and they're going to do anything for you. They're going to work super hard. They're not going to like raise a lot of conflict. They're just going to, yes, coach, yes, coach, yes, coach. They're not going to question as much because they don't have that. It's their first time in competitive. Compare that with a 20, you know, 24-year-old veteran. They're going to be saying, no, why are we doing this? No, why, why are we doing this? And they're not going to, you actually have to, really pay attention to building a relationship with those players much more than you would with a young 17-year-old kid who's just going to say yes. Mm. Say yes, man. Mm. So from a coaching points perspective, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. I haven't really thought about this before, but I'm just throwing it out right now. This may be so deeply ingrained because what happens as well, maybe, and the narrative they tell themselves to make this come true is micro, they're better micro, they're me- mechanically, they're more mm. versatile, mm. X, Y, Z. But maybe it's true. Maybe this is just all cop-out. And maybe the teams that realize this and the teams that are actually able to have, you know, veterans mixed with younger talent. So like exactly what SKT are doing. Younger talent with closer and then under Faker and then they alternate. Faker plays, probably plays majority of games and then closer learns from the veteran and then you build that relationship and then, you know, that's a, like, that's, I think that's optimal. That seems optimal to me. But um, yeah, maybe we are. 
maybe Faker just continues to play for another three, four, five years. That would be, be insane. Be I hope he does. If, if Faker wins again, it's such a... That, that would be a really important point for League of Legends. You know, because I mean, p- people have been saying like, you know, fake it. Like, did they? They've made worlds the last. Do you know years? what? You know, one of the most fast, one of the most my favorite uh, SKT moments was when. Remember when they beat Griffin? Were really hyped, and then they beat Griffin three zero in the grand final. Remember that? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, I, I remember. I look back then. I'm like, that was so cool because yeah. everyone was hyping up like Chovy at the time and stuff like that. And Griffin was so cool, mm. and then like, boom. SKT 3-0 domination. It's the experience showing. The experience that was showing. with Coma as well, right? Still, yeah. Coma and Faker. And I remember, uh, I believe, Griffin tried to do like Pantheon bot lane and, and they just like stayed, Teddy, they just stayed strong, mm. SKT, and mm. just beat them. Mm. I love that. Um, yeah, but it would be super interesting to see how age plays a part. And um, Yeah, again, like Mike, sum up my conclusion. I don't think age plays a part right now because... The way you become professional in League of Legends isn't going to set you up for long-term success. It's impossible. Well, okay, there's two things that could happen then, to summarize here. I feel like League can go two ways. It could continue going down the unsustainable route, which is young player, unsustainable process. It just gets picked up from... He's, he's very good sexy, for a short period of time. Looks sexy, cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Short, great for a short period of time. Boom. Next. Go next. Mm. With, you know... That sort of thing, or or two, you know, have a younger talent with an older veteran and keep the veteran there in your organization for a very long time, and you create, you build your identity as a team around that player, and he becomes a key figure, and the processes that guy has gets passed down on to the younger player. Think about Kobe; how he's obsessed about asking Michael Jordan questions, like, "What? Well, how did you do this?" Mm. Like, he's really trying to understand him and get to know him at a personal level. What does he do? What's what? How? What's his process like? Imagine that. You have a imagine- well. That's theoretically what Cloud Nine's doing with perks and like people like Fudge and stuff like that's that, great. right? I think you know, being a, playing devil's advocate here, they probably even could have had Licorice as the main roster, Fudge on the academy, and then Fudge just being behind the scenes, alternating between the two of them and giving giving him more time. Mm. That could have been also a viable strategy, but maybe they just want to get money for Licorice and because there's a financial part of this whole thing. That's obviously. true. Having a ten man roster like that is pretty expensive because you've got to have players that are both insanely good rookies and great veterans, which is expensive because everyone wants the rookies, right? Um, yeah, so Samurai, I think, can go two ways. And I'm, I, I initially was against you. I thought that it was going to be young players and things like that, and I thought that we wouldn't see another greatest of all time like Faker. I think 100% good. Think about it, those people probably said the same thing about Joe Montana and stuff like that. Right. And then you got a Tom Brady 20 years yeah. later. Who's broken the record. I mean, seeing how 6'10", and how he conducts his practice. If there's people like that out there, then you know maybe maybe we can see it. Optimistic, I guess. There you go. Okay. Change my yeah. Change your Tom mind. Brady has been a big um, count. He, he like runs counter narrative in a way mm. to a lot of the beliefs I've had mm. about what was possible in performance in general. Mm. It was funny. I was literally watching a um, an interview, you know, from the experts. Uh, it's like, the you, you, always you like CNN them. and stuff like that. Yeah. Literally, this guy just just straight up said to the camera, uh, like this is like six years ago, Tom Brady will never even get into a Super Bowl again. He said it straight. This is like an expert on like, like ESPN or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like just straight up. Like, yeah. Again, someone's probably been in the industry for 20, 30 years, right? <laughs> the experts. That's what they're saying. And then I think he went on to, he's, he's been in three since then, yeah. I think. Yeah. And he's won like two or whatever. 
you know? No, that feels so good. That's what I say. That's what I was saying. Even listening to us, like, don't listen to us, dude. Yeah. Like, we don't, no one knows shit. No one knows you know? shit, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, okay, so what's another uh, topic we can, um, we can dive into? So I wanted to talk about, um, I want to talk about jo- dodging. Dodging in solo queue. Because I want to make sure we clarify our stance on dodging because it's, it's such a... It's very complicated. It's a messy, it's, it's a very mess. messy, messy topic. Because you're I saying... I get asked this all the time. Because then you're, you're like, um, in your program, you know, you stream the solo queue games, right? And then someone and someone hears you. It's like someone just joins the channel. And the first thing you hear is Curtis says, oh, I had to dodge that game. Well, I lost because I didn't dodge. I lost because yeah, I dodge. And then often. that guy's like, oh, that's why I'm losing games because I need to be dodging games. And and, and, and that's toxic. That's yeah, dangerous. Yeah, it's toxic. i got to be careful Yeah, we got to be very what, careful. What... Let's clarify our stance, right? Because yeah. I think we're... I don't know how similar we are. Right. So, you you talk about your stance well, let's, on let's, let's, Yeah. Let me... Let's use just my case study yeah. or actual yeah. games. Yeah. So, I had a block of three the other day mm. or two blocks of three or whatever it was. Mm. And I looked back and I was looking at the match history and I was going through each of the individual games and I can remember each one vividly. And I'm quite confident that each of them was a 30% loss based off draft. Because when you get to high elo, um, we're talking challenger or high grandmaster, mm. you you know you have pretty good players that are very good at their main role, um, and they're usually there because of their main role. They're not there because they play multi role. It's very rare that you get a multi role player. Now I had a game. I had one of the blocks of three. I had two games where I had an eighty carry main playing jungle but you're not getting an 80 carry main versus like a gold jungler here in gold we're not getting an 80 carry main versus a platinum jungle we're getting an 80 carry main versus like we had sybil who's been literally playing jungle at a competitive level for six years mm. you know mm. we're, we're talking like the difference is so big mm. like i had like a, a 80 carry main play just mundo jungle versus sybil's elise one of his best best champions it's like yes we can win but it's it, it, it's unbelievably out of my control. It's completely out of my control to win this game. And I had two of them where I had two games where an AD carry got autofield jungle versus a jungle main, a challenger jungle main. That happened twice. I'm like, okay, now let's lose those games. We 15 minute both of them. Then I had a game where I had a triple AP top side with zero CC into a Katarina. Um, it's not versus versus a Hecarim and an Orn as well. Yeah, so Orn just builds full magic resist and our, And then our top, and then our bot lane died at level two. <clears throat> our only form of AD just dies at level two. They lose two v two. And then I'm like, okay, well I have no proactivity here, and I have a Shivana jungle with zero pressure who's perma farming, and then Mordecai's are actually losing top as well in the one v one versus an Orn. So nothing I can do is just a free loss. And then there was another one like that. So, so, so what I'm getting at here is that these games are, in my eyes, in my elo, with these players, unwinnable. There's n- if I'm faker, I lose this game. Mm. Genuinely. And mm. I'm not even exaggerating. If mm. I'm faker, I lose this game. Yeah. Um, now, what, what I'm worried about, let's get into this. When does dodging become... In what elo? Okay, what, what are the conditions for dodging? What elo does dodging become a thing? What are the dangers of dodging? What are the benefits of dodging? We need to get into all of these things right now. So I, I view, I view dodging now just really recently as well. There is some situations I would say it's like the triple AP or full AD into like a Malphite or something like that, right? Where it's like, oh, this is this is probably not the best 
best team composition. I try and think it more as like a long-term investment in terms of mindset. So it's like, um, and champion mastery. So um, I had to, I had to have this lesson again recently as well um, in terms of sometimes you get into this mindset of like, actually it's got nothing to do with dodging this. I mean, sort of does. Let me get my first point first. So, so my first point is in terms of like long term long term mindset, it's like if my thought in champ select all the time, if my first thought is it I should dodge this game instead of what's How my win condition? How do I win this yeah. game? That's already like I'm on the back foot because that's going to hurt me because what you're going to do is if you have that mindset all the time, that's going to be a common thing because you're so focused on the wins and losses at that point, right? So part of me thinks it's better to just straight up lose that game like, I mean, again, you're not going to 100% straight up lose, like, for, for a couple of reasons. To keep that healthy mindset of of how do I win this game, just always thinking win condition, what's the next objective, just focus on everything in your control, take the loss, and long-term it's going to pay off. And also in terms of champion mastery as well. And going to champion mastery, I played um, a, a game where I was like, um, Ramus looks pretty good this game. I haven't played Ramus all season. I play Ramus. And like, it was like, okay, the game, but like I lose the game because I just don't have champion mastery. And I just, I literally kicked myself. I'm like, that's, that's when it kicked in. It's like, I, I, I should have played Nunu this game, even though it was a bad Nunu game. I should still play this champion again for that, that, that long term. Cause again, I just wasted that game. I'm never playing that again. I'm just like, I'm, not, I'm just not playing that. So I wasted that game and I affected my mindset. Well, I mean, I sort of learned the lesson, but if I didn't learn that lesson, I would just be stuck in that. And then like, now I'm going to try and find, and then I played an Ivan game, the same thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to play Ivan into Udia because it's like, I think that's a good matchup. And then like, I lose that game as well, you know, because like, I just don't do yeah. champion mastery. It just felt weird playing the game, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, there's like these elements of your mindset in the game that needs, you need to think long-term. It's like, don't think about that short-term losing that game. It's an investment being like, I'm going to play out this okay. game. So let me clarify your stance then. Because your stance is that even though the chances of winning the game are incredibly slim, yeah. the benefits of having a strong mentality where it's like, okay, I'm going to express on my best self, on my control. focus on champion mastery, do whatever I can. And regardless of what happens, I take something out of it. Yeah. All right. Look, now I have a playing devil's advocate with that. Yeah. I just think you're in fairyland. I think it's, I think it's unfair. Okay. I think that no one is that a monk could do that. And think about this, Nathan, people don't want to waste time. I genuinely believe the um the amount you can take away from these games are so slim and the the damage you, so think about this i'm viewing it like this imagine there's two bars yeah the, one bar represents your increase in champion mastery or just overall learning okay. think of it like an experience bar in yeah. a way and then you have another one which is kind of like you know when you have armor in a game and then it gets damaged and you've got to go to repair your armor in a way is that in, i don't know i didn't play well yeah you have to repair your armor, armor yeah. right so think of it like this you go into that game yeah. and like you, you versus like really hard mob yeah. and wow. And yeah. then, but you take a shit ton of damage and you, all your armor gets damaged. Mm. And then what's happened? Yes, you might get a bit of experience, but then you go into the next game, but your, da- your armor is actually damaged. And so you're, your, you're, your you're, armor, you're, you're using your armor as like your mental, your mental because you just yes, lost that game. You got hard, you're like, I should have dodged what a waste that's of time. That's correct. Okay. And then you're like vulnerable and yeah. then you take more damage. And then, and then yes, you might even like get a little bit from it, but you're even, you're criti- your armor is critically damaged and then you're fully exposed. So, dude, I, I would say I'm pretty mentally strong, but that affected me. These yeah. games, I walked out of it. I'm playing Victor. I play my first three, four waves. Yeah. Yes, I can maybe optimize my first three, four waves, but outside of that, there's nothing I can do. Zero. I get zero value. 
And I just basically have to wait in my towel for from five minutes to 15 minutes. You know, and this is the thing is like, I see where you're coming from, but I just don't think it's it's realistic for the like average player. Because again, you, you're, yeah. I mean, again, it's I hard. dodge, I wait five minutes. I have a better quality game. Yeah. Why? 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 Yeah, sit, why? I mean, why? why point. It's the damage that is dealt by sitting through those fifteen minutes. Or sometimes people don't FF. Then it's twenty minutes. You know, it's the damage. Because I actually find myself doing more damage. Because what happens? I actually I can't bring myself to focus for fifteen minutes in an unwinnable game. I can't. Yeah. I can't bring myself to focus. So I guess the question up here is: is that there is that more damage, or is the more damage that mindset of like? The champs in the, the game. The champs in the game. Because you know why I can't dodge Nathan? Because I don't look at the names. Yeah. I say I, I, I'm, I'm terrible at so dodging. Na- so names are more important higher. And other than that, this is what Dopa did. So so I would say to get... Dopa says to get rank one, you have to look at the names. So if to get to. from... Yeah, I would say maybe it's like Grandmaster onwards. Dodging criteria is going to be different, oh, to, different to Diamond. Oh, way different, yeah. You know, so it's like... You so don't look at players in diamond names. You don't look at names. No, you, there's no... Because you're all. playing with people, different people all the time, It's right? champions. Well, people do. People look them up on OPGG and stuff like that and look at win rates and stuff like that. That, I think, is just really bad. Well, this is the thing, Nathan. When does Autofield Jungle become, like, an actual problem? When does that... You, I don't think you really face this problem, Nathan. Because having just, an Autofield top It's sort mid, of different, It's yeah. not... It's different. Because you're the one that sets the... To- Dude... I have no. It is Curtis, a, a jungler that's autofilled mid and ADC. That's bad news in the game. It's bad news, but it's not as bad as an because you can always like just give pressure. There is no just sitting back as a jungler. You can't just sit back and farm camps because you affect three lanes at once. Yeah. So you're saying jungles the best OP role in the game? Yeah, it's the best. It's the best role in. You think so? Hundred percent. No, Curtis, you can't be saying that. I think it is. You think it is? I think jungle. I always said that. I said jungle's always number one, then mid lane, then then. Curtis, um, if, if, that, if that's true, why is the rank one player on every single serve not a jungler? Because, no, but that's different. Because again, Nathan, they don't have autofill jungles in Korean Challenger and EU Challenger and. Because there's so many junglers, okay, they, and they won't play those okay, games. That's true. So you're talking, you're talking from an O's perspective right now. Yeah, or, 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 or even in Diamond, if people play autofill games, I don't think you don't get autofill jungle in. They give them their role. Yeah, in Korean Challenger, you don't see an autofill jungle that just doesn't exist. Yeah, that's true. So I, there's so many players. That's why then there's a jung, then it's just mid lane. Obviously, if there's two great junglers, then it goes back to mid lane. But like, if we were to talk about a, a difference, you know. Jungle versus a non-jungler is unbelievable. Yeah, because they're just going to sit in the thing all day and farm. They don't know what to do. Mm, so path um, will be horrible and misobjective. Miss smites probably. Oh, they don't know anything. It's just nothing. It's yeah. just a bot. Um, so, so what I'm getting at here is that when what Elo? Because because I understand where you're coming from. You check OPGG. You check the win rates. You're already thinking about the player. You're thinking about all this stuff outside of your champion. You think you have everything outside of the game. And this is where I'm conflicted. Okay. I mean, this is... This is it's this kind of like giving... This is the analogy, Nathan. It's yeah. kind of like giving someone an addictive drug that will actually help them in the shop. They yeah. need to take this yeah. to get get better. But if you give it to them, it's like, are they going to not understand that they only can take this for this week? And are they going to be able to give it up? That's what I'm worried about. It's like kind of giving someone this tool that they can use... But if you give it to them... The side effects. The side effects of using this is so dangerous. And, and you know what? From my experience, Curtis, the side effects are so bad. It's like, it's not even worth taking it, dude. But because Nathan, the side effects of playing those on... It's, it's, I've seen okay. people tilt off the face of the uh, earth. What, what, what ELOs? 
every hilo, every gold, hilo. plat, di- everything. I, the amount of times I've had people in my Discord complain, saying, "Look at this unwinnable game," and I, you know what? I used to be like, "Oh, you know, just stay focused," but it's, dude, it's, it's, it's. I don't know how. I can't say that anymore. I can't say it anymore because it, it affects it's me. Difficult. It's so difficult. Because, I mean, I would be saying you shouldn't be... Okay, can we at least say you shouldn't be dodging games in bronze? No. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So, let's, let's slowly work our way up. Yeah, let's Silver. work our way up. No. No. Okay. Silver, bronze, and definitely no dodging. I, I go... What, what, what if someone who's, like, intentionally, like, in the champions, like, lobby... Oh, looking, yeah. If they're, like, new, new mid with, like, yeah, ghost clans, Ghost clans, then those are the dodgers. You know, yeah. they're the main dodgers. If someone's, like, actually trying to lose. Yeah. But it's... Again, when we're talking about dodgers, it's about team compositions, right? We're talking about team comps, and we're talking about, like, auto for jungle, and the players being yeah. on and off yeah, roll. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Here. So, silver, no. What about gold? Okay, this is where I think we've got to start considering something. Okay. I think that playing f- like a full AD or full AP is dodgeable. Okay. I, I really do. I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Get as I remember. Because I hate reviewing a game when I go in and I say, I'm, uh, say I'm reviewing this. There's a guy in my Discord. He yeah. plays Jace, right? He's in silver. Yeah. And he plays Jace. Or like there's someone they play like Lucian mid and they've got a full AD comp. I don't even, like, I hate reviewing those games. Okay. I really do. Yeah. I'd say gold. Maybe gold one is where it starts. You really need to consider. Consider what? Dodging based on those like three AP guns. Like, or do you think really? it's just all gold? Because um, you know what? I actually remember Remember when I started playing the game again in 2019 and I was doing my climb, my first climb. Dude, mm. I was struggling in gold one. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, gold one's not that bad, dude. I mean, there's some solid players. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, that's when people start getting like it's like the game starts being really like it's, this is how you, leagues like. Play. Um, or you think gold uh, is all the gold? We should say, dude. I just think that dodging a full AD or full AP comp in gold in general is viable. Okay, we're Even talking full, full AP or okay. full AD. Full AP into tanks. Yeah, yeah. Let's clarify then. I think if you're versing zero frontline, it's fine. Mm. You can play it out. It's like you have four AP versus like a bunch of crazy like you know. Say you got like you got like people a, that aren't going to be building defensive. Yeah, if you got items. like a Camille, Kazix, and like a Zed mid, but you're versing like own like a Zoe and like a and Lilia Eve. And, or even like a you know like what's top lane? Dude, it, Lilia would actually be a bad one because she builds Zonyas. That's big trouble. I don't think it's enough though. You don't think it's enough? No, okay, you're not in gold anyway. Okay. You know, at least if they're squishy, it's not that bad. But if they're tanks, then it's a different story. Full AD. So that's what I think anyway. Well, there you go. Golden upwards then. And obviously Plat Diamond. So then what about the Autofield Jungle and shit like that? That would... So what do we say? Do we tell people to like literally go into their every game? They highlight all the names going to OBG check. Like I just Dude, can't. I can't, hate, I, can't yeah. I can't get behind that. Because Neither again, I, I see so much like like people again like your first thought should never ever be is this game winnable based on chance? Okay, maybe it's like a process. It's like you're, that should be fault number three, right? So it's like, the first one is like, okay, what's, of my champ pool, what's maybe the best into with my comp and their comp, right? Next one is, what is potential win conditions this game? If Number three is like, okay, now we start to get into that. Right, you, so you're saying you that, that like, interesting. So it's like, okay. Be- because what I find is that's the first thing people instantly yeah, go into. Yeah, it should be the first thing. Yeah. That, and if that's the first thing you're thinking of, then that's when you know you've, it's it's negative, toxic. Right. Interesting. No, no matter whether you're in gold, no matter what E you are. Because I kind of feel like e, junglers in gold and even in platinum, they don't really 
Well, that's the thing. They don't really think about wing comms and stuff like that. No, I think... But, can... but I mean, if you're following my content, dude, I, I that's all I talk about. So, so if, you, if you're... If, oh, if you're a... so hard, man. I, I genuinely... Look, I'm actually going to say I don't know. It is it's very... I'm actually going to say, say right now, and I, I don't like saying this. Yeah. I genuinely don't have an answer. It's like, it's good, but it's bad. Again, I, I, I think mean, our, our job right now, yeah, our role yeah. as, as, you know, people trying to educate here... All I want to do in this podcast is talk about the positives and negatives. Mm. As long as we highlight yeah, and then them, they can do. They the, can make it. it yeah. people can make their own choice. So I think we've made it pretty clear what the negatives. So are. So the negatives of dodging are you get into a trap where you're focusing on things out of your control, and you're focusing on like the play, like you're, you're focusing on yeah, all these things that are out of control, and you're also directing attention away from what you could do to win the game. That's right. Like yeah. You're not thinking about win cons and ways to play out your early lane. You need the things in your control. Yeah. Um, and also, again, like what Nathan said, if your default response heading into every single game is, oh my God, who's who's going to lose me the game on my team? Type it up everyone on OPGG. <laughs> you know, you, you just, yeah, you're just not thinking about stuff that's in your control. Um, and then I'll say the... What else? Another negative. Oh, negative. Um, well, okay. I still think that creativity is only born out of necessity. So you have to play against these hard things so you can figure out ways to beat well, it. Because think about like this, strength you're only you. going to want to get creative. No, these are positives now, aren't we? We're walking into positives. No, no, no. I'm saying, no, hear me out. Okay, sorry. Go on. If if you're... Think about this. If you get ahead into a game and you've already like convinced yourself that like the game is over, like based off draft or based off like... You've got an autofill jungle, right? If you've convinced yourself that you can't win this game... You're not gonna. F- you're not gonna be creative. You're not gonna find a creative yeah, way to right. win that game. That's right. Sometimes what, and this is why I didn't even look at the players and did that in the past, because mm. I was playing at a level mm. when I was lower. Mm. You know, it didn't matter what happened. I could find a creative way to win the game based on what is happening in that game. But I've noticed in the games where I already go in, I have an order field jungle. Why didn't I dodge this game? I'm never creative. Mm. I never do those creative roams or tempo resets or things that can actually win me the game. Mm. I will never do that. Mm. So creativity itself and getting better at your champion only comes out of necessity when you have to do it. You're forced to do it to win the game. But if you've already accepted you've lost, you're not going to do it. So the chances are literally zero. It's a good point. So that's a positive. The creativity. Well, it's it's a. Ne- I'm saying the negative. The negative part of it is. Um, oh, I guess it's a positive. Yeah, I don't know where that falls in. Well, anyway. it's positive. So that's the positive. The other positive is, um, wait, uh, saving time, right? Positive saving time. Not but potentially saving your mental. Mental. Yep. The game you talk about the analogy with the armor from the armor. Warcraft. Yep. Um, I would say that. In a way, it can actually be. Okay, that's about it, honestly. And it's not even about the win or loss, really. It should never be about that. It's about loss. like, it's about what you get out of it. I feel like yeah. you just get more out it's of what the game you, learn, if you yeah. play. You yeah. just get way more. I mean, there's there's, there's definitely many games. It's like this is all I get. Uh, I mean, Matt, again, this is what we talked about as well briefly before. Was like as a jungler, it's like. Jungle's I feel like different. I can create a win condition myself. Well, because the example you said before, Nathan, you were playing Nunu yeah. and you had a full AD comp. Yeah, you're only the AP. only AP as a Nunu into who a does Malphite. no damage into a Malphite, right? I'd have really a top lane and I just hardcore focused the Malphite and then we won the game. So the like reason that's different is Nunu's an, an outlier or Jungle is an outlier in a way 
is that you understand the desperate, how desperate that game is. So you can play in a really desperate oh, way. Oh, and I would say I was really creative that way as well. I was just, doing yeah, things I wouldn't normally Because it's on you. Yeah. I'm in mid lane. I'm stuck here. Yeah, that's right. It's hard. I can't go bot top randomly if I'm, you know, they're all building tarbies and shit. I can't do that. Mm. <clears throat> but I would also say that um, I would urge you to have played that game with Hecarim. Oh, yeah. That's impossible. You know, it's different. Yeah, that's it's what I'm saying. Nunu's yeah. a bit yeah. of an, an, an outlier. That's right. Yeah. Play that game as Hecarim. Is that it? Do you win that game? It's sort of like the same as like, it's like, I guess that's sort of their own group. Like those hardcore early ju- ganking jungles. They can, they create can do a, anything. They can get someone so far ahead. It doesn't it's matter. It's like Elise. Right? You can win any game with Elise. Yeah. I swear to God. Even with like triple AP yeah. and stuff like 100%. that. 100%. I've seen that all the time. Yeah. So maybe that's the only, if you're a jungler, yeah. you're a jungler you Rek'Sai, kind of Elise, Lee Sin, I guess in a way, not really potentially. Nah. Someone that needs to be able to reliably dive. So Elise, Nunu, Rek'Sai. Like what are champs that just hardcore can camp? Um, is that really it? There's not many, is there? Jarvan, maybe. Jarvan, yeah. I swear, Jarvan's even hard. That's about it, honestly. Yeah, there no, you there's go. not many. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, and also remember, guys. Last point before we move on from this topic is that I still, and I don't want to say this, but like. In gold and platinum, games are going to get extended majority of the time. So even if you have a really rough game, like if you have a lot of champion mastery, a lot of the time, you, like they're in your control in a way, in a weird way. Like what I'm saying is if I was teleported into that game, which is not a good, I don't like saying this usually because it's, you know, it's not possible, but I'm saying it is possible to win the game. Like if I'm playing your champion in platinum, like I will win that game. Versus me in my game, if Fake is playing my champion, they don't win. Mm. Which is like, you know, just mm. trying to show the point here in mm. a way. Like my game is, there's a difference between genuinely unwinnable versus like incredibly difficult, mm. which I think is a given. But um, yeah, hopefully that kind of clarifies our stance. It's a bit of a sticky. It's still complicated. There's no one answer. No, there's no one answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. So moving on here, um, I wanted to talk about, well, there's two here. We can either talk about the NA import slots or we can talk about adding the, right, adding new champions. Let's go champions. All right. So there was a post on Reddit. Uh, I don't know when it was, a few days ago, whatever it was, a week ago. And they were talking about how they're plan, planning on, you know, releasing new champions again. Talking about, can't remember how many, but a few champions this, in this coming year, this year, sorry. Um, and it got people thinking, like, well, if they're going to add these new champions... At what point do you call it quits? At what point do you say, look, guys, we've got too many champions. Let's just focus on reworking. It's like, well, I always think, what does the game look like with an extra 100 champions? In like, what, how many years from now? I don't know, like eight years, 10 years? Because they're releasing what, about like three or four a year or something like that? Oh, Jesus, that's a lot actually. Three a year? Right, let's say 50 champions, right? Which is, would be... 30 champions Dude, that's not even got it the game would have to be around for decades like at the end of the day league they they have they say this is what they want this game to be around for a long time right so they should be thinking of a long-term approach in that's a way, right right so it's like so so the problem is here nathan is that one of the dudes who commented on it was from riot and mm-hmm. he was like from a different part of riot he wasn't from like the game design i think it was like from like i can't remember what area he was from but he was saying how there was surveys done within riot that prove that champions rose in popularity based off reworks and they sold a lot of skins based off reworks as well. Because at the end of the day, right, the reason they release more champions is because they want to make more money, Mm. right? You release these cool 
edgy champions like Yone keep or stats kits like Samira. Keep people engaged in the game as well. Well, they keep people engaged, which I don't even believe is true. Yeah, do you think it's just purely So I think the game is people don't quit because there's no that's new champions. I've yeah, said this last right. time. Yeah. I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> but apparently, yeah. yeah, the survey said, the internal surveys that had a riot was yeah. that they made equal, if not more amount of money off a rework comparatively to a new champion, which is what confused this rioter. And I found that really interesting, which I, that would make sense to me. Because I think that they should be spending all of this time reworking champions like, you know, Udia, reworking even champions like Vladimir, just reworking a lot of these champions that have incredibly poor champ design, that are outdated, just outdated kits. In the current League of Legends climate. And, um, and I, I'm a little bit nervous, dude. I'm, I'm nervous for the future of League. Are they just going to keep pumping out more and more of these stacked kits? Like the Samira? Or are we just going to... What's going to happen? And think about a new player coming to play the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm even confused playing with champions like Viego and things like that. These are, these are not simple kits in a way. And, and we're lucky to learn these champions because we play the game all the time right so as we go come as we so go so it's like we slowly get to learn it but someone coming into the game you have to learn what all these champions Dude, I, do I, I genuinely be honest I don't even know what some of the champions do I have yeah you, you ask me questions all the time I think you ask me about how Kindred Q works yeah I don't even know <laughs> how Kindred like <laughs> abilities like this, some specifics I don't yeah, know how like Lilia's kit works yeah. I don't know how like Viego's R and like little things like that work his kit. I don't know how like I didn't even actually that's a that's a thing recently actually. I got someone pointed out. I didn't even know Zoe's ult was the jump thing. No way. I thought that because it was such a short quit. I thought, no way. <laughs> no joke. What do you think it was? Is it evil something? I thought you always had it. What, as like a W or something? Yeah, I thought it was like a W, dude. <laughs> no way. What no was the joke. then? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was like refresh your cooldowns or something. What the hell? I didn't know the jumbo was like, oh. Holy shit. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? That's bad, dude. That's that's worse. Is that that's bad? Really bad? Is that worse? That's huge. What's the cooldown on it, out of curiosity? Oh, it's tiny, yeah. It's really small. You spam it. So so you spam it. So Pretty much. So you like you charge up your Q and then the ult gets you a flash and then go you back essentially. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like a doom doom fuck. Yeah. What other champions don't you understand? <laughs> That's a good point. Do you, you know, do you know, you know what, how Yone and stuff works? Uh, kind of. I know he's got like a jump, a shield and he's... Oh, yeah, I pretty he much know how Yone works. works. And the thing that goes back. Okay. But what I'm getting at is, is us. Right? We've yeah. we played the game for a very long time. Yeah. We play all the time. And even us, we struggle we to struggle keep things, up. We struggle things, yeah. You know? Let alone the average player. You know, which I guess kind of makes it fun in a way. But yeah, I'm just kind of concerned with the way... And what? So what do you think is going to happen? What's the, what's the consequences of this? What, what's the consequences of right... Well, yeah, the, the barriers to entry of the game gets so high, it just, again, scares off new players. Um, those 30 new champions that get added, like, we're going to need new, new bands, more bands potentially. Okay. What do you think about old champions? Old champions being reworked. Well, again, no, like what's going to happen? Like, so when, when are we ever like? Are we just not going to see these old champions anymore played? Is that just how it's going to work? Well, it's so interesting because talking about the Udia, Udia pops out of the meta. Oh yeah, we haven't really spoken about Udia. Yeah, so I have to, I have to apologize. I have a responsibility yeah, to apologize because two episodes ago, I someone wrote in about Udia, right, saying never play that champion. His kit's outdated. And and now I'm playing. He's in my champ pool, and I've added him to my coaching list as well. And he's, and yeah, so that breaks the narrative a little bit, doesn't it? Which is, oh man, like... Because uh, you said to me, Nathan, oh, Udia's kit is the worst in the game. In the game, yeah. 
You said he's the worst champion in the oh, game. And like, I mean, come on. Like, let's let's break it down, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. Like, his, 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 his obvious strength is in the move speed thing. <laughs> Remember I always said move speed was broken by concept. Well, you said move speed solves all problems in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, it solves all problems. Because it's like you can just dodge every skill shot and, and no one can, places you, you can't die. Yeah. Which is sort of what Udi is in the category of right now, right? So yeah, I have to apologize saying... So what does that mean? Uh, does that mean I, that reworks aren't necessary then? I mean, if a, if a kit like Udi can become really strong... Well, well, maybe it's an outlier. The, but or do you get the problem where it's either incredibly strong, mm-hmm. there's no middle ground, mm-hmm. which I think we've seen with Udi. There's no middle ground. Udi is like, in my opinion, like permanent worthy in solo queue. Um, you hit, there's no middle ground. It's just, it's just still crazy to me. It really well, is. Let's break it down then. Let's have a crack at breaking down why Udi came back in a minute. In out, because again, that people have a lot of theories. Think about it. We got the new items. We have items Turbo, like Turbo Chem Chem Tank. Tank. Does that affect things? You said that didn't even matter. I mean, I feel like I would still be playing with him without Turbo Chem Tank. Uh, would that but not be playing in competitive though? Probably, I probably wouldn't be probably wouldn't be playing in competitive, no, if it wasn't. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, like there's a lot of times... Because when I started picking up the champion... I was forgetting to use it. Right. So that means something, right? And I was still popping off in those games. Like the first like five games I played, I went like 5-0 and or something like that. Um, I wasn't even rem- thinking, remembering you to use it. So I, I honestly, I'm, I'm, this one I'm just fucking clueless on, honestly. Okay. Think about what he does really well. Udyr, in my opinion, has incredible skirmishing early game. Yeah. And the game is incredibly early game focused yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like getting those early scuttles, getting those early dragons means mm. a lot more than mm. it ever has. And people forgot about that with Udiel. People forgot that Udiel had a really good early skirmishing. Okay. So there's that. There's also the fact that... Has the, the jungle item removal, has that changed anything for Udiel? Him not having to go the Cinder Hulk and things like that? Or does that not change anything? I mean, I think overall... The whole mythic thing is just feels better okay. than jungle item stuff. So maybe that was an inherent buff as well. Potentially, probably it actually was because I felt, yeah, no, I think it's big because like, if I'm thinking of building like Cinder Hulk and Warrior, God, it just felt so bad, felt man, bad, right? compared to what it is now. Right. Holy shit, I can't even remember, remember the difference. Okay. Well, there's that one thing. Yeah. That's but, definitely a thing. And the other thing now, what Udi does really well is he creates space. Yeah. Like, he's so good at creating space. Yeah, you, you're actually, your, your job isn't to do damage. Your job is to create space and be an annoying, essentially. And 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 this is the way I played it, is soak up skill shots and But and why damage. has that never worked in other metas? That's my that's my question. Why? Uh, because, because, right, because champs, like, that are meant to counter him, like Nidalee and Lilia and stuff like that, he's, he's just broken it because of phase rush and... and Turbo Chem Tank. I oh, okay. Think. So, I the, that's they, what it is. so he has so much gap closing ability yeah. that the, that's the poke and the that stuff doesn't even matter. That's right. Yeah. Because again, Nidalee, uh, I hated playing into champs like Nidalee. Like literally, like I couldn't. Because what would happen in the past? Um, well, they just kite me. They just kite me. You just can't you just jump over walls and stuff. Right. Yeah, you can't do anything. But now you just run at them, dude, and just kill them. And you just do so much damage. So they buffed the and, and Ghost damage, is, Ghost has been buffed recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ghost got buffed is instant and all that. But, I mean, I've been taking Flash a lot more, to be honest. But Ghost is definitely one of those. And there's, the, then there's, like, a lot of little things, like the movement speed in the jungle, right? With but but Udi's actually been slowly buffed over the last yeah, year as well, okay. and patches as well. Okay. So it's, like, a lot of little things. Yeah, it sort of just came up. Came up. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I had to apologize saying that. I think that Udi is not actually bad for learning the game. I think that he he good he teaches you good things about creating space and playing a tank. But I mean, maybe still not. But I mean, I think that I'm playing him and I'm coaching him. I'm thinking he's fine. Okay, now what I wanted to do with bringing this up specifically was, what does this mean? What does it mean? The fact that Udir has come back like this randomly. Yeah, yeah. How many other champions in the game are undiscovered that could be really? That's a good, good question. That's what a, does this mean? Because this, this, this again, this defies our entire narrative. We've yeah. said champions like this, these outdated kits can never be played again. You've yeah. got new champions out here like Lilia and you know all these cool champions that have much more loaded kits. What does this mean? So I'm trying to think. I was trying to think in mid lane. What are champions that I've just completely ignored that maybe are much better? I, I don't know. Or is it a jungle-specific thing? Oh, it's it's hard. I actually don't have the... I don't know why. Okay, so just thinking about listing off old-school jungle champions that were, were strong, that had a similar identity. Think about Volibear. Skana. Yes. Ramus. Warwick. Ramus Warwick. Mm. Warwick is better than people think it. I swear Warwick is better than people think it is. Oh, Warwick is exceptional. He, he, I, Warwick I, seems like he does that. To be honest, he? champs, like, no, he doesn't. Warwick's really slow, Curtis, in a way. He's actually really slow and clunky. But his skirmishing's insane. His skirmishing's insane, but he can't get out of a skirmish. Right. He can go in and out. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Warwick's very good in certain situations. Like, if you're against a very heavy, tanky melee comp, he's exceptional. Okay, and then Skana doesn't fit the bill because he doesn't have enough damage. Yeah, is that he's, the right? He's clear also. Oh, okay. This is the other thing as well, Udi. He's jungle clear. That's actually just tenfold what it is. Okay, yeah. so it's just jung, jungle, jungle clear. clear. So yeah. your jungle clear has to be good now. Curtis, right? I can literally full clear my jungle, get level four. I did this twice in Challenger games. I finish, I got a bot leash. I finished my Krugs by like 308. I went back down to the and contested the bot scuttle and won the game. Think about that. I full cleared the jungle. And managed to go back on the other side of the map to That's contest insane. the guy. No, no other jungler can do that. That's insane. It's insane because because this is what happened. The Carthus thought because because think about how Carthus oh, clears oh, really fast. So so Carthus, um, um, he started blue. I started blue. We obviously knew where each other started because of the leash, right? Yeah. So there's no way he could think. Oh, that you, you started red. Clear. Sorry. Huh? You started red. No, I started blue. I'm on red. Oh, but side. he got it. But he got a he got, he got leash a top, leash, top, top oh, lane. Right, right? Gotcha, yeah. So he starts blue. Buff, I start blue buff. Yeah. Like he knows I'm just going to full clear. There's no way you're going to be bots. Yeah, so he goes bots gankable, right? He goes and bots gank, and then I come there. I'm just waiting in the bush, and then he like if I'm if I'm him, that's impossible. That's that doesn't make any sense. You never say that. You can never say that. You can't be versed in a level four. You can be a level three. Level three, you can do that. Yeah, but level four, you can't. Wow. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and so far ahead then. Yeah. Oh yeah, I won the game in like 19 minutes twice from that one strategy. Wow. So that that's what it is. It's it's more clear speed for jungles. Again, I don't know how that stacks up for mid lane and stuff like that. In yeah, top I don't lane, know. I don't know. Maybe I feel like Udia might just be an outlier, Curtis. M- maybe, but I want to keep keep an open mind keep an and open think mind. to myself like, okay, what are some? Okay, what, first of all, then what you would have to do in order to innovate, you would have to first of all, let's actually talk about this. How do you innovate? You can't just innovate. I think there's a few ways to innovate. One, you'd innovate based off what is happening in the current meta right now. Yeah. Right? So counterpick. You counterpick uh, the set of champions that are played right now. And we saw this in the past with like niche counterpicks like Lucian mid. Um, you kind of come into meta based off a counterpick. <laughs> or we would see it randomly with like probably champion. I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. Set mid, things like that. We, like 
or what you can actually do in Renekton mid, or what you can actually do is you can actually identify what the meta is. What is the most effective strategy in the meta right now? Mm. Is it really early game pressure? Is it gank setup? Is it what is it exactly that oh, makes well, that champion strong? Well, for jungle, it's it's all because of again clear speed. Clear speed, that's right? The biggest thing. Isn't that the reason why Hecarim is quite good? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Clear and Lilia speed as well. Lilia, yeah. clear speed. Nidalee, clear speed. Kindred's interesting. Like, Graves not, is not good clear either. No, but Graves is kind of average, isn't he? Right yeah, he sort of dropped out. Yeah. yeah. So for mid lane, I would have to think about this. I don't know. I haven't thought about this enough. Montalia as well. Her clear speed got buffed. So for jungle, clear speed's everything in a way, right? It's a massive thing. But not, not in all metas. That's just right now. Yeah. Some metas, it goes back to Jarvan. Just level well, because it's interesting know. because what's happening is that they're nerfing jungle experience next patch and people are saying it's going to go back to level three junglers. So what's going to happen is that you don't get rewarded for doing a full clear anymore as yeah. much as you did. Yeah. So you wouldn't get level four off a full clear. We, I don't know. I haven't tested on PB yet. No one's, I, don't, I haven't seen okay. it. I don't know the information yet. So that would change things. And if then, that would change the game hugely. I think Udium would maybe still get played though. Okay, I'm still going to be playing it. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, it's my main champion. I got ranked two challenger with that champion. So yeah, well, that'll be interesting. I'm going to play around with that. Um, and I wanted to say, and this was something kind of funny. We won't talk about the NA impulses. Okay. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I get asked sometimes, yeah, Curtis, like, what tilts you? What tilts you? What, oh, what, what are the things that tilts me the most? <laughs> yeah, this is a good question. And I always think back to the lag oh. era. You remember that you would remember the lag era very yeah. vividly. I mean, I've you... had my fair share, not as much as you. But you remember me and Richard, the yeah. lag. Yeah. Was, so lag was a big problem in yeah. my house when I was growing up. Mm. And uh, I had a teammate, Fantix, who also had a lot of lag. And I, I've grown, I would say, what's the term? Allergic to lag in a way. <laughs> Where like, if I have frame issues, if I have lag issues, mm. anything that spikes, anything mm. that's just like a... Takes you off guard. Anything, yeah, anything to do with th something that is out of my control like that, it absolutely makes me fuming. If I die because of it, or I randomly go into a game, I lose because I'm lagging, or I get a spike, or frame drop, whatever, I become, inc I, I like, it's like my counter. I, 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 I like have a switch. And, um, and we're, we're kind of talking about like lag stories. I was talking about like one of the guys asked me what's like a funny lag story. And, um, Oh, gosh, I probably shouldn't even talk about this. No, I can't talk about this. It's too X-rated. Yeah, it's too X-rated. But anyway, it just got me thinking, because um, people think I'm like a monk or whatever. I'm definitely not a monk. Everyone has their counters. Everyone has something that just ticks them off really mm. badly. And for me, it's lag. So I kind of wanted to put that out there. For those of you who think I'm a monk, I'm definitely not a monk. So don't, please don't affect my internet. But you don't lag anymore, though, right? We do sometimes. We do sometimes. And I get I get frame issues and it pisses oh, me really? off, dude. When I sometimes when I stream my Discord, yeah. So I, th I think I, I can't stream on 1080p in my Discord. I have to stream at 720p for some reason. Got it. I get I get frame issues. I don't know why um, that is the case. I wonder what I'm streaming. I don't even. And by know. the way, you, you turn off hardware acceleration on Discord. Oh really? I, I it's much laggier okay. for your people who view your stream. I have no complaints. You've had zero complaints. Yeah. I had complaints it was unwatchable in my stream really? and I just changed that and everyone could watch it again. Oh, fascinating. All right. Well, I know that that's what I'll do in case I have issues. Anyway. So let's go on to the questions. Well, what tilts me, Curtis? Oh, sorry. Recently, sorry. dude. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just people like typing in chat, just not taking responsibility for the game. Right. So it's an in-game specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. It's like this guy's like complaining about this thing when he could be reviewing his lane phase. Like he should be taking that out. 
You right, know? so you're saying someone who was just blaming... Well, something. like they had this one little sentence of why the game was lost. No specifics, it's nothing happened, like that. And then... And the way they say it, it's like, it's like it's the way... Out of the, it's something they, they couldn't have contributed to. It's more the way they said it, it's like, I'm, I'm the smartest person in this game here. This is my this is why we lost the game. You guys will need to accept that, otherwise otherwise you guys are idiots. Right. That's that's the way that this is the tone, and that that's just tone, annoys yeah. me. It doesn't annoy me so much because it's like this guy's like potentially making my team. Wait. It's just the fact for him, dude. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Wake up, you know. Take some responsibility. Like review this game. And, and then I then because I'm not playing challenger games, I see that all the time from some challenger players on the server. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, mm. you can't really say that when, when the lane phase here, it's like you stuffed up your, your own that. wave. Yeah. yeah. And, and it just, that just pisses yeah, me off yeah, so yeah. much. I, I'm, I, I, have, I mean, that's the message that yeah. I, I, you know, it's like you're getting specifics, you know, thing. And, and, and people like, yeah, it's like just blaming others and stuff. That's just what just ticks me off so much. Yeah. No, I feel you. You don't mute all though, do you? No, I don't mute all. I'll just, I watch everything. No, I have been muting people, individual people sometimes yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah. Someone just like, they have, they have one chance and if you, that's it, you're just muted. Yeah. Someone's just an annoying, just type all the time. It's like, I can understand it, you know, it's like they just type for the Good, same no, you Because you know, this is the sad thing as well. A lot of these players that are in challenge, everyone asks, you know how they challenge in the first place that they don't take responsibility. These are the players that have a lot of natural talent. Yeah. These are the players that could be pro, but they're not. Mm. All of these players are just challenge players and they, they can never go pro and mm. they've been trying to go pro for mm. a long time, mm. but they don't. Mm. Well, they never get picked up because they they they, they hold they hold themselves back. Well, it's mean, a shame. And the other reason themselves. as well is because they've just played the game either for so long. Or they played for so long. And so many games. It's like, well, they've just played an extra 2,000 games. You have 2,000 more experiences than you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's an element of a few things. Talent plus amount of games played. Yeah. But the difference is if this guy had the correct mentality... And he took responsibility. He wouldn't be in. The, he wouldn't be in Oast right now. He, he would be probably imported by now. Mm. He would be that good. It's a shame. These are these players. They could. They could be so much better. And that's the sad thing as well. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's like like Zabatin used the word before. You know, we talked about Dardoch. He's like he cared a lot about the game and winning. It's like that's a huge element of it. You have to really care because then that's what pushes yourself to get better. But again, it's to the detriment of other people and yourself. But how well. good would Dardoch be if he if yeah. he tame that yeah yeah he'd be exceptional he would he'd... be an exceptional player he would be he would have he wouldn't have been kicked from these rosses no. he maybe would have brought his teammates up, up there. he doesn't realize he's making his team play worse worse yeah Literally. even though even though he thinks he's got good intentions and that's the thing that Zabatine was saying yeah he thought he had good but he really he's, he doesn't understand how it's a negative impact on people but I think Dardoch's thing is a it's a failure of coaching staff oh yeah oh yeah again you staff. know how we talk about before how it's like the way he became a pro player, like, you know, he was with Liquid with people like Loco Doco and stuff like that. You're not set up for success, are no. you, you know? Oh, and to be honest with you, even watching Boiling Point, right? That's what it's called. Breaking Point. Breaking Point, sorry. They, um... Compare that they, environment to an NFL team. That, but they also kind of like, there was like, it's okay. The, Steve and shit, they're always, remember they're yeah. always saying like, yeah. they were, they were, they were, oh, they were, they're they're encouraging him. him in a way. Yeah, because like, they're scared to lose him. Yeah. Because he was the next talent. But you better understand them. Him doing that is destroying him. That's again destroying him at the same him. time. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's it's a shame. We're gonna have to do a a uh, broken by concept questions episode episode only. probably next. Yeah. So let's change the battery on the on the camera and then we'll jump in some questions. Yeah. So we'll be back in a jiffy. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Nathan's Mailbag. 
Can't wait to uh, get our little intro segment thing that we have, like little jingle. The jingle. I'm sorry. Someone actually said in the comments, I can't wait for that. I'm also excited for that. We'll get that. That's going to be my episode 100, maybe. All right. So um, this is the segment that we obviously get people right into us. You can email us at brokenbyconceptshow at gmail.com. As Curtis said before, we might do it. We not might. We will do a full question episode next week. All right, so this is a bit of a longer one, a bit of a long story, but I thought this was worth sharing for maybe some people in similar boat as well and some questions. So the title of this email is called Former Fighter Ask for Help. His name's Ruben. So, hey, Curtis and Nathan, my name is Ruben, and I'm a Portuguese gold mid laner playing in EUS. I've been playing league for the past five years, and even though I'm always looking to improve, Truth is, I never took it seriously. For a bit of context before I get to my questions, when I was six years old, I started practicing martial arts between judo, karate, aikido, kickboxing, krav maga. I don't even know what a lot of those are. Krav maga. Oh, krav maga, sorry. Yeah, I didn't know that, sorry. Jiu-jitsu and many others, I was on my way to become a professional fighter, which had always been my true passion and purpose in life. At the age of 12, I was diagnosed with a few problems with my bones, namely scoliosis and rheumatoid arthritis. I never know how to pronounce that. Since I was young, no one really cared about it and neither did I until I turned 18. At that age, I just finished high school and was getting ready to go pro. I mentioned this means fighting. I don't want to get into the details here because honestly, I'm still trying to get over that part of my life. But long story short... I discovered that because of my condition, I would never be allowed to fight in a professional environment. I was devastated. I quit training, stopped going to university, destroyed my relationship with my girlfriend of five years who had always supported me. It wasn't a particularly easy time. After a few months, I tried to react, went back to the gym, to university and to the dojo, this time to work as a sensei to six to 14 year old kids, but I couldn't. I couldn't be helping kids to follow my dream that had been taken away from me after all the time and effort I'd put into it. That's when it hit me really hard. After two or three months, I couldn't do anything with my life. I couldn't leave bed. I would go through periods of weeks not eating at all to at all to weeks of eating shitty food every five minutes. My weight was going from 60 kilograms to 80 kilograms and back to 60 kilograms over and over again. At the same time, all my friends were online and pretty toxic. That's when I discovered League. I eventually got better and started taking control of my life. First, I went to Greece during the terrible times of the refugee crisis, which is not over yet, apparently. Um, there, I volunteered as a teacher. I met some amazing people who helped and keep uh, helping me get back on track. Also, including my Australian, my lovely Australian girlfriend, Shout out to Aussies. I also went back to the gym and to university, which I've been starting to take more seriously on, and I'm looking forward to finish it soon. Getting my degree in political science, I've been trying to rediscover my purpose in life and making the best out of it. So as you can see, my relationship with League was bad since the beginning. I wasn't at my best when I first started playing and have had terrible habits to fix. But as Nice said in a video not so long ago, you need to take pride in your hobbies. And that's what I want to do. So here I am asking you guys for help. Because of my past as a fighter, I've grown to love two things, basics and drills. One of them is what you always talk about. The second is something you brought up a few weeks ago and that I wasn't aware existed in league. So let me start with the questions. Is there any rank of basics to build up from? For example, in fighting, you learn how to throw a straight punch, 
Once you master that, you'll learn how to throw a hook. And after that, how to throw an uppercut. I see some patterns like that in league. For example, learning how to farm will lead into learning wave management, will lead into learning learning pressure or into learning how to take good trades. But without more knowledge, I can't quite figure them all out. Basically, I want to understand and order the building blocks of a good player. So let's start with that one, Curtis. Okay. I mean, this is something we've, we've tried to figure out, right? We had a crack at this a while ago. Yeah, we did. And then I got overwhelmed and gave up. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I got actually inspired by martial arts as well. Uh, an article about that. Uh, I think it was the guy from um, SBG. Yeah, that's right. And yep. he talked about, he spoke about trying to break down fighting into the actual fundamentals. So like, what's the first thing you have to learn like that? It's like that. You talk about yeah. how to throw a punch out. Well, his was even deeper than that. He's got to like your relationship with gravity and like the ground yeah. your, and like contact with the ground and then building up from there, uh, which was awesome. I got really inspired by that. I mean, this is the thing, dude. I love that way of thinking. I love thinking of like systematic. Yeah. Okay, you got this and then you got this and then you got this. To be honest, this is, a, this is still something... I mean, for me anyway, I'm still trying to figure out. I don't, I don't really have an answer right now and I'm in the process because teaching in league or coaching in league is still so new. Fighting has been around for thousands of years, right? We just don't, haven't had that luxury. And um, right now, I mean, I have some theories. I think that you're spot on. I think it does start with, I think number one, it actually starts with character control. Character control and mouse movement well, this is the first thing you say, bronzes and stuff like that. Like, I, I do, yeah. Um, and I actually think it's more of a theory thing first. Yeah. I think champion understanding and champion identity is number one. So camera control, character control, basically, are you able to control your your movement of your, literally, your camera panning? Are you able to, to move your character very confidently and cast your abilities very confidently while moving? And, and then, so that's step number one. Well, that's why, and then, but that, saying casting your abilities confidently, that's, yeah, and then... But you also the way you you're, you're, you interact with other champions as well, right? Because it's like if understanding I, ranges and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. If I don't know, it's like when remember when we started playing Dota, and then I I struggled so much because like everyone had so much range, it was pissing me off. I was like, I'm randomly dying from this side of the map. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, that I can I can. Re- re- so that's just like that. basic movement and range assessment. It's kind of, of like champions. in fighting, right? So when you throw a punch, in um in real life, you kind of, you, you already have a very accurate view of range. Obviously there's levels to that and there's levels to this as well in, in league, right? You've got masterful tethering at the highest ELO and you've got Conor McGregor range of levels of assessment. Well, Floyd Mayweather levels of range assessment or like Muhammad Ali levels of range assessment with punching. It's the same thing. There's levels to it. But I think the average person knows, you know, if I'm here to Nathan, when I can and can't throw a punch. But in league, it's, you know, for some people, that's really, it's really intuitive. Maybe they've played other MOBAs or they've played a lot of games and they just know the feeling of it. For others, not so much. So that takes a lot of time for some people. But I say this, I think that this goes hand in hand with knowledge. Because um, knowledge of a few things. Knowledge of what all the champions do. Yeah. Right? You've got to know what the champions do. You've got to know how they interact. You've got to know what, what they literally can and can't do. Is this a melee champion? Is it a ranged champion? What does their Q ability do? What does my Q ability do? The range, how that, that range actually differs, that sort of thing. And then you also got to know your champion's identity. Very basic champion identity understanding. So there's a lot of knowledge stuff that even becomes... This is all before, in my opinion. This is the groundwork 
in which you build up from everything else. So I actually think the whole just play. That's why I recommend playing hundreds. You just gotta play hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those normal games mm. and bot games when you first start playing to just figure out what everything does. Once you have a base level knowledge of the game, then you can. So that's kind of like the roots of the tree. Then at the very core of the tree, then there is the, yes. Then there's the CSing and wave the, management. The wave management, and then there's the actual fundamentals of the game itself. So um, that's what I'm thinking right now, and I'm still trying to go through that process of figuring out what <clears throat> what order. But my hunch, by the way, is that wave management or CSing obviously is kind of number one, and then trading patterns, and then wave management really comes into play like mid gold, and then on top. You of know your reviews recently. Is there any is there any points where you just end the review super quickly because they can undo something super basic? For me, I st- I, I still like to look over the first fifteen minutes, even if they've made so many big mistakes already. Well, for example, yeah, there's one where... What's like a game losing mistake you see a lot of? Well, what people don't understand, and I have to re- I reiterate this today in my coaching session, was that if you die to the jungler and give them first blood, the game's largely out of your control. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. Like, giving jungler first blood is massive. Yeah. yeah it is big time. You give a Hecarim first blood... Oh, so I'd love that. It's, 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 it's huge. Yeah. Because they can influence everything. It's not just hurting you, it's hurting everyone else. Yeah. You've just damaged everyone. Now he's stronger than your jungler and then oh, he, you lose Huge so snowball much. effect. I'm not yeah. saying it's over, but yeah. I think you need to understand the significance of it. So a really basic mistake I see in gold, there's a few trends. Basic warding timers, like warding at 2 minutes 30 so you don't die to that level 3 gank or have to blow flash is the <clears> first one. And that's probably the biggest one. And leaning, and actually leaning and utilizing your wards, which seems really simple, but that's probably the biggest mistake in gold, failing to do that. And then two is just sitting on, in lane for a lot of gold, not thinking about when you need a recall. So you just stay in gold for just sitting on, then before you know it, you're on 1800 gold. No, you should be resetting and always thinking about when you need a reset. Do you need a re, is your jungler resetting? Is there an objective coming up? That sort of thing. So think about actually being meaningful or have intent with your recall timings. Uh, so they're the biggest ones. But yeah, my reviews, if I see, I still watch the first 15 minutes, even if like there's that, they die to a level three gank. But I'll, I'll I'll go back and say that is the main one of the main takeaways, and I always go back to the yeah. warding and leaning. Because what I like to do in my reviews is I like to say, look at the first fifteen minutes, and how you're always behind, and this is the consequence of your way. That's why I do it. It's like show the consequence, the of, consequence of your actions. Of why you're yeah, that makes sense. So it's like yes, this is over, but they don't know why it's over. Yeah. Well, they don't know why it's not over, but they don't know why you're really far behind. Or, or what the con- what it leads to. Now your Ari has pushover and you can't walk up. Yeah. And Ari's always ducking out of vision and going bot and then gets to that river skirmish first. Then your jungle dies on the dragon and then blah, 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 it go on, goes on from there, you know? Yeah. That's kind of why I yeah. kind of show it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's actually what I do. I didn't realize it, but I do do that. Because I mean, I end reviews at the clear. It's like if you oh, full right. clear 15 seconds late and you lose that crab, What's the point? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like because it's so unrealistic. It's so actually, unrealistic because the game's so different. Yeah, it's fully in your control yeah. as a jungler to just clear as your camps as quickly. You can just go and practice school and practice. Well, that. an analogy would be like this: it would be like, okay, imagine if like your um, I mean, I'm pulling this out of my ass, right? This might be completely wrong, but let's say you're you're like a Formula One driver, mm. right? And like you're in a race, and then like the first lap, like you like make a major mistake, and you're like incredibly far behind. Mm. So no matter what you do, you can't win the race anymore. Mm. You can review the rest of it and look at all the details. But at the end of the day, yeah. that first mistake on the first lap is like where 99%, because the rest of the race is unrealistic. Then you're just working on these things that like, you're not going to, you could just be first the entire race or not have to do anything stupid. 
to get back into the race, you know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel. Maybe it's better to look at stages of the game in terms of learning. What do you think? What do you mean by that? It's like, because you know how he says like, well, he doesn't really know what to like master or learn. It's like, it's not so much a skill. It's like stage of the game. Or maybe it's more of a jungle thing. It's like, yeah, it's like for me, I perfected the stage of like how the game revolves around the first crab as a jungler. It's can't you can't do that as a mid laner. I think what I would do if if I'm like a real if you're really unsure, I I really like to start with um, okay. If you're, I'm assuming he's like gold level. He says he's gold mid laner. He's gold. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, what I like to do is like yeah, wave manipulation, and specifically like um. Okay, the reason wave manipulation is so important is because it allows you to take better trades, it allows you to get good quality wards, and it basically allows you to do everything. Get good quality resets, everything. So wave manipulation, if you don't know, and I actually think I got this in my resource section in my mid lane academy at the moment, but get specific. You have to know what is happening with the wave right now. You have to know what is, what is it going to do based off what's happening now. And you also got to know what you need to do in order to bring about every single type of wave state. If you want to slow build, you've got to know exactly what to do. If you want to fast push, you've got to know exactly what to do. And if, if you're frozen, you need to know how to keep it frozen. But you've got to know what... And then, but, so after you got you know all those three things, the fourth one is, okay, given the state of the game and what my champion wants and all the variables, which one am I picking? So the first three, are the, that's just the standard. You've got to know what's happening right now, where it's going to be if you don't touch it, and how to bring about each of the, each of the situations, which ones you can and can't bring about. And then four, you execute. So is it a is it a problem with your theory? Are you, are you actually unable to identify what's happening with it now? Yeah. Are you unable to identify where it's heading, mm-hmm. or do you actually not know how to bring about each wave state? Yep. So get specific. Yeah, get specific. I like that. Um, and then um, and then just look at just like. So you should always know what you're doing with your wave. If you don't know at one point, you need to figure and, out. And why. I always say, if you in mid lane, either one or two things. You're if you're you should always be leaning to one side of mid lane, and if you're not leaning, you shouldn't be pushing. Yeah. Super simple. Great. Love it. Yep. Um, that sort of thing as well. So waves, warding, leaning, and then and then turn into basic chain identity and, and trading. That's where I start. Kind of go from there. All right. Well, I think that's that's where you want to know about basic building blocks. So I think that's good. I mean, and again, remember, we, we're trying to still figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. still at the beginning of the, yeah. the, the race right now. The second question is, is having that uh, ranking of basics, what drills are there that I can try and will make me better player at the basics? The Lux bot drill, dude. That's the that's how my that's helped so many uh, people go. on my on my Discord, dude. The Lux bot drill, I have a video on it, and then um, the I have an article um on my website, and it's about uh, utilizing the um the mini games warm ups. It's a warm up one, a warm up article, and a lot of them use the one of them ways of warming up is using the lol dodge game. And you know how I talk about camera uh, character control? Mm. The the games on LOL Dodge game are brilliant for character control. Because what you actually have to do in one of the games is you actually have to throw out a skill shot. You have to dodge. Sometimes you have to dodge their projectiles as well, whatever it is. But you have to throw out a skill shot and, and, then, and then move because another one's coming that way and, and then kill it. And then, so you actually have to do a few things. You have to... Be aware of where things are heading and move your character in relation to it. You have to have good mouse accuracy because you've got to move your mouse at the angle which you want to shoot. And then you also got to time and press the button, the Q button to shoot your skill shot at the same time where your mouse is lined up. 
So you're learning how to aim, you're learning how to move, and you're learning timing. That's a good game. It's a really good game. I think I should recommend that to people. It's as great well. for just like refining the basics of movement. Yeah. Um. So I would refer to my warm ups section of my Midland Academy. If you're not in my Midland Academy, um, I have an opening mid February. Head over to my website, midlandacademy.com. His last question is, are there any champions that will help me get better at those basics? Like Tiff and Gallia from Map Awareness, for example, and could I build a learning champion pool with them? I've thought about this and I've actually, I used to, I've actually changed my stance on Twisted Fate. I don't mm. like recommend, I don't recommend Twisted Fate at all. It's just too hard. Because he's, Laney's too weak. Yeah. So yes, yes, champions like Galio and Twisted Fate do improve your map awareness. But at the same time, uh, what I've noticed with some players is it actually makes them worse at other areas. And I actually think the order, you should learn map awareness later. Because I have players that were Galio mains in gold. And what happens is that their side lane awareness and their skirmishing, getting to skirmish is really great, but their laning is poor. I would much rather you be great at laning and then work on your side lane awareness, your camera panning and your map awareness just later on. So, Because I, I think those Galio players actually hurt themselves by playing Galio a lot, maining Galio. Interesting. So Galio is a champion that I think you should, say for example, Annie, you learn the, like, the basics of laning with like Annie or Oriana or Seraphine or something like that, then you play Galio. It's a great pool champ to add to your pool to learn the rest of it. Go for that. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So that's, um, hopefully that's helpful for you, Ruben. Next question here um, is from Timothy. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. I came across your channel during the recent preseason. I've been binging your content nonstop. It is without a doubt the best resources available for mid lane improvement. Um, thank you for putting as much content as you do um, and for being people who are so dedicated to decency and self-awareness of the game and your viewers. In Season 4, I made it to Diamond 2 while one-tricking Diana and afterwards had a multi-year hiatus and then returned and wasn't taking the game very seriously. There's another person that says they're not taking the game seriously. Do you think that thing, taking the game not seriously... Do you think it's slightly sometimes a cop-out when you hear it? It's like, yeah. now I'm going to yeah. try. Yeah, I was thinking It's like, that. I wasn't before, but now I'm trying. Like, I mean, it could be uh, an element I of it. I think there's some cases where it's valid. I mean, I'd say I that... Say there's a lot where it's not. I would say that now, for me, I'm taking my solo queue much more seriously than I did last year. Like, I'm reviewing all my games, right? And all that sort of stuff. But it's not like I wasn't... Like I said, at the end of the day, that's, I still was a diamond level player. You still were you know? taking it seriously, but your yeah. process was just bad. Bad, yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a bit weird. of a strange one. I always get scared when people say that. Because I think there's a better way to frame it. It's like my process was just, I was aimless. Yeah, it's like I played normal games or something like that. Well, you still cared about winning. Yeah. That's the thing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. everyone does, right? Yeah. So I always, yeah, I always get, I always not sure what, what that means, you know? Yeah, neither do I. So he says, this was due, he gives us his reason in here. So this was due to nearly flunking out of university after playing nearly 14 hours a day every day and thinking about league cons constantly, even while I was in lectures. So I don't know, that's playing seriously, you know? Yeah. Like, like you said, you weren't taking it seriously, but you were. After listening to some episode, episodes of BBC, I realized that how that previous MMR status was actually holding me back. People are much better now than they were seven years ago. And last season, I only made it to gold one. Again, he was diamond two in season four. Yep. It's the same thing for me. Challenger in season three, I had to get rid of in season three, four, five, rank two. I had to completely dis dis destroy that 
in the beginning of this year, accepted my current skill level, accepted that I am no longer, like, again, a player, people have got a lot better. And, yeah, I wouldn't even say, I would say that, again, like, I feel like I'm becoming way better player than I was in Season 3, you know? So, yeah, you have to get rid of that bullshit narrative you tell yourself because it, it hurts you. It hurt me all last year. Last year, I wasted a year, basically. So he says, um, and last season I only made it to goal one. It has been a struggle, but I've been trying to reset and tell myself how little I actually knew when I was diamond before, which is so evident from watching your conflict, con- content. Great. While reviewing some of, some of my games, I noticed that I died a lot to support or top rooms, even though it was pinged. So I made sure that I turned off music when I was playing. After a while, it was still happening. I realized that at some point I had become so focused on winning my lane that I subconsciously tuned out everything else, including the faint sounds of pings going down. I've adjusted for this by turning basically all of the in-game sound off except for some of the sound effects so I can hear things like Janna tornadoes and recalls. I was wondering if this is a phenomenon, phenomenon that you've noticed in other players before. And that got me wondering if there's any in-game settings that you would recommend to use. Hmm. I think this is a band-aid solution. Potentially. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that as well. Do you reckon that the reason he's, he's in gold one is because he's dying to roams? No. Support roams are very rare. Mm. In that elo anyway. Mm. I, look, this is, what, this is what I would... I mean, reading this email, this is what I'm thinking so far. Is um, What's your initial reaction, Curtis, based on your experiences? Initial reactions right now um, is that he... Because this is the way I view it, right? The example I'm going to use here is a me heading into a skirmish. I'm playing Oriana. I'm heading into a skirmish, and I'm versing a, uh, versing a Kha'Zix and a Camille. Now, I could... I'm I'm already priming myself. I'm not instantly. I'm not. I'm not relying on my reaction times to flash something. Like I'm. I'm. I'm scanning, looking. I'm. Pri- I'm already ready to go. My mouse is. My my fingers on the flash button, ready for Kazix to go onto me. There's a big difference between me randomly reacting to that Kazix jumping on me versus being ready. Being for ready it. for it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to roams in general, or whether it's jungle ganks and things like that. You don't fix warding. That's why I say you don't just fix map awareness by put, sending a buzzer and then every minute it dings, you could look at the minimap. No. You got to find, you got to be specific about, first of all, why? Because a lot of people's re- reason why map awareness is so poor is because they genuinely don't understand how important it actually is. Mm. Like the way I, the analogy I always use, and it's a bit of a weird one, is always, okay, I always say, like, okay, I talk to a client. And they say, I said, do you have a girlfriend, mate? He said, yeah, I've been dating my, girl, my girlfriend for like seven years. So, okay. If you would head into this game and you die to a single support gank, your your girlfriend is like moving to like, uh, you know, Europe and never coming back. Mm. I guarantee you, you're not going to die to a support room. You're mm. going to be scanning that map mm. whenever possible. Because mm. you'll be focused on it. Because you know the consequences of your actions. Mm. You understand how important dying to that room is. And a part of me feels like, yes, it seems like you, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself that it's important, but you haven't internalized, you, you're still not, it's still not in there. You're, you're, react, you're, like, you're, you're trying to rely on little gimmicks, gimmicks to, to, to try and solve a problem that's like a really core lack of understanding of the game. That's my, that's my, my hunch here. I mean, I mean I do you have wrong. any settings to help pings? You think that's no. ever been? That's never. So there you go. Okay. You know what? What I said is whether using the loading screen is so important. 
Loading screen. One of the things I straight away think about. Am I versing a Pike or an Alistair or a Bard or a Leona? Anything can roam. My default response is I'm already primed myself. Okay, Curtis, you're versing a roam oriented support. Uh, I'm already promised of they are likely going to go mid because I'm playing in a mobile mage. You're playing Diana. You're a committal. You're a committal assassin. You're 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 an absolute. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Like a magnet on the map. The other thing you should be thinking about. I'm a heavy trading assassin mid. I'm a melee. I'm I'm diving into the middle of the lane. Of course you're gonna die. People are gonna want to come roam mid. You got to understand that. You know, people just don't roam randomly. Everything makes sense. Hmm. You're it's dying like to people a- going out of their ways. Like, we've got to kill this guy because he's he does do roams a lot. Yeah, that's not because they... <laughs> it's always a spe- it's always yeah. a reason why you're dying yeah. to roams. It's either you're you're pushing without wards, you're not looking at the minimap and understanding when everyone's resetting on the map, or you're... It's not because of pings at all. The pings is... No. That's, to be honest, you shouldn't even be relying on pings. Most of the time, people are not going to ping their team, their counterpart missing. That's something you, you should see way later on. That and I didn't even see in challenger games a lot of the time. So don't rely on pings. You should be already on the ball. You should, if everyone's pings were muted, you should be able to know where everyone is. That should be that should be your standard. What you should mm. be looking for. Mm. Um, so I would say it's likely a map awareness issue. You're not looking at the minimap, or you're not understanding your teammates' location when they're resetting. You're likely heavy trading without necessary vision, or your teammates not in the area, and you, and you're not leaning. You're not leaning to one side, or you haven't primed yourself in the loading screen. Haven't thought about the the, t- the likelihood of those laners getting ro- roaming on you, or you haven't adapted to what is happening in the game. In the sense that if your bot lane is losing, what does that mean? That means they're getting pushed in. Means they're going to have the enemy's going to have river control, and it means likely they're going to have more room to roam. Conversely, your top side, the Camille the enemy Camille's winning. What does that mean? They're going to be pushing. They have more control over the river. They're likely going to be moving into you. You got to like adapt and evolve what's happening in the game. So these are all just things that they're going to help you, and you're obviously misunderstanding one of them. Players can't randomly roam out of lane unless it's for a reason. You know, if That's they're getting correct. pressured, push under a tower, they're not roaming. They're not, they're not roaming. That means you can you freely can do whatever you want. In terms or of yes, the, the support Alistair might roam if the AD carry is dead. You know, then that's obvious. You know, there's something you could look for. He says also a lot of times during games, it's common. For someone to say something like, our jungler should trade scuttles because their jungler beats ours in the early 1v1, or I'm going to play to this side of the lane because their jungler wants to do a full clear. I was wondering if there's any resource out there where one can figure out this type of information as someone who has not jungled in at least five years. You should just look at my, you should just watch my jungle my tracking, jungle tracking video. Yeah. I have a recent, I did made it with Nathan. Yeah. Nathan gave me great information there. There's, there's, there's information about basic jungle pathing and how the junglers work. There you Watch go. that video. It's, it's only like it's probably only like a few weeks old, a month old or something. I mean, there's probably something that I could. Um, actually, there is. There is. But again, it's hard. Like I, I don't like when someone said. I hate it when someone said this is a super simple one. It's like um, our jungler is stronger than theirs, so that means we get this That's crap. Not the case. That's such a bad way of winning. Yeah. You know, thinking about the game because do you know how many times I've been playing Eve into like an Elise? And I get that top grab versus because I just have priority and my mid lane is way yep. stronger. There you go. Yep. Like you can't ever think no. of the game like that way, you know? All you should be focused on is where they started and where they're going to be yeah. based off their clear. Yeah. That's it. That's right. And again, that video helps, right? Yep. All right. So um, we'll do one last question here from Victor. So... Um, 
this question is again for Victor. The title of the email is called Fallen into the Pitfall of Becoming a One-Trick Pony Slash Meta Abuser. Greetings, Curtis and Nathan. First of all, like many others, I want to thank you guys for the awesome work with the podcast. No problemos. You guys are one of the most informative, educational, and definitely realist voices in league out there. And it's so refreshing to hear people offer bold perspectives about mentality, attitudes, esports systems that you won't hear from NRLs today. That's what our, our podcast is about. So we appreciate yeah, it. No Victor. problem all, man. A bit about me. I'm a support main and I've been playing since late season one, but I stopped playing ranked for a long time from around season four until I picked it back up again last season. Where this I'm is at- so common, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we just said how three many, emails. How many people you hear that with? They, they, they quit and they, they come take back. Hard as they come back, yeah. Because my theory with League, no one quits. Because <laughs> you just go, there's no other game. Just, there's no other game. It has the same itch as League. It's just incredible, <laughs> it's, honestly. It's actually insane. Um, so yeah, so he stopped playing ranked for a long time from around season four until he picked it back up again last season, where I managed to finish the season at gold two. Prior to that, my highest ever rank was silver. This, this season, after watching your ultimate ranked guide, I adopted the advice of doing three game sessions and auto-muting all chat from the start, which I found to be incredibly helpful to allow me to focus on the game and not being tilted. Uh, still need to work on reviewing my games though. My ranked experiences so far in the season has been really good and I've had a 63% win rate and just reached plat 4. Wow. That's pretty good, man. Impressive. Here's my question. I've heeded the advice of keeping my champion pool small as well as other general tips for playing more enchanter slash mage supports as opposed to engaged supports and lower elos so you aren't as reliant on your teammates to follow up and you can rely on yourself more to carry. But I'm beginning to think this has started to make me become a worse player, even though I've climbed higher. Yeah, I've played. I've mainly played Zara and as re- and as of recently, pretty much only Seraphine to take advantage of the Moonstone staff build. And on on the occasional games when I can't play her, I've found I play much worse on other picks. For example, when I went back to Leona, who I used to main a lot last season, I found I don't really know how to play her anymore. This is the sign of me becoming a one-trick pony slash meta abuser, question mark. Should I force myself to play some different style champions like Leona once in a while as opposed to just spamming Seraphine just so I develop more all-round as a player while still keeping my champion pool small? Um, I actually like playing engaged supports, but for went them for better climbing. So I actually like them better. Also, as a small related question, I found I'm a lot worse in my secondary role of marksman because I hardly play that role and my win rate when I have to play marksman isn't great. Is it worth to spend more time to improve on your secondary role? And if so, what are some tips to do so? Right, so let's do his first question here. Is him playing Seraphine abusing some meta build? This is my way of view it. Yeah. There's two... First of all, you got a question, what are you trying to achieve? It doesn't matter. You don't need to be a well-rounded support player if you just want to get to diamond, right? Like if you just want to... Depends what you want to do. Even get to get master tier. If you want to just, just get master tier, mm. being a very one-dimensional, have your own clear identity of the way you play support is completely fine. If you want to play clash, you want to play a little bit of competitive, or you want to get challenger, whatever it is, then I would likely recommend you expand because I'm a big fan of people having a clear identity of them as a player. Right, that's like, um, you know, I, I'm X. I, 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 these are my strengths as a player. And I'm all inning on them because a lot of the time that's going to give you better results in the short mm. term, even in the intermediate term. The interesting thing here is that even, even, so you were silver last season. Even if you're to play Leona, 
you wouldn't, you're still not playing at a silver level probably. You're still playing at, like, maybe you're like gold three yeah. or gold two. So you're still better at the game yeah. because I always say this all the time. If you focus on your strengths, your identity, a small champ pool, you get high elo and you're automatically getting better at the game because you're, you're playing against better players. And you're just used to a pace of the game. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just different from silver. Platinum to silver is completely two different games, essentially. So, so I think, first of all, I question, what is he trying to achieve? If he genuinely just wants to become a more well-rounded player for the sake of being a well-rounded player, maybe he wants to experiment in the future, whatever it is, then I, yeah, because I do believe that a mage support player is never as good as an engageable player, period. Exact same way as a mid, a mid an assassin player in mid lane, always going to be better than a mage player in mid lane. Yeah. Exact same thing, support yeah. and mid, exact same. Um, because you learn a better... You learn a different skill set, and that skill set. Well, the skill set's being aggressive, right? In League of Legends, being seeing proactive. opportunities. You, yeah. yeah, you're seeing opportunities because the way you win. I'm not saying it's like a bad way, but it's like it's less skill. You can't express your skill. You could play Yumi and sit there on someone like that. Player is never going to be a really good player no. because because they you don't have to think about no. much stuff. Think you know? about how good you would have to be. It's like think about what you have to do to win as say you know an akali player versus what you have to do to win as like a seraphine mid player well think about what you have to do to win as a yumi player versus a thresh you got to do stuff yeah your kit has things tools you have to use to win the advantage of those champs is that if you do that better than the yumi you usually can win a lot more games because you're just doing so many things. things you can do as a melee support yeah End of story. That's why I think melee supports are the best. And they just, they just are. And that's yeah. why you've asked any AD carry, they love playing with melee supports. Mm. So, yes, I would recommend. And look, it doesn't have to be all of them. You just have one, maybe. And you just, or one or two of them. And you get really... Because Zyra is going to become negligible. You're never going to be able to play Zyra anymore. Mm. Support. Like, mm. once you get to, like, Diamond 4, mm-hmm. you're going to find it really hard mm. to play Zyra support. You're just going to die on repeat. Um, or something like that. And even Seraphine support, it might not last when Moosone and all that thing like gets nerfed, whatever it is. So it might not even last. So at some point, if you want to climb reliably, you're going to have to learn melee supports and be very competent on melee supports. It's going to be a painful experience. So pick one or two of them and just all in on them and get incredibly good at them. And it's a different skill set, but take your time. It's going to be rewarding. Um, and keep in mind is that, yes, you're not going to be platinum four level on them. Like Nathan said, you might be gold three. That's fine. Mm. But that's just a part of the process. Mm. Or you don't have to do that and stick with it and then climb with your champions and then just accept that you might get a bit capped. That's all good. Sometimes you just want to get people want to get Diamond 4. That's all good. Um, and did you have anything to add to that, Nathan? No, I think that's good. Um, and the second one was secondary role. Yeah, secondary role. Focus on planet because the win rate's not great. Because well, I always think you should have at least one champion you're yeah. very comfortable with yeah. for your secondary role. Just have one. Maybe... If you have like an alternate account or something like that, just play that one champion for like a week or two. You need one that AD carry, honestly. Yeah. Whereas Jin, yeah. I know a lot of people at mid lane mains, they have one AD carry they play. Oh, really? And that any guy, yeah. he plays only Jin. Yeah. He's good at it. He's pretty good at yeah. it. I know a bunch of them, they just play only Jin. Or like a one AD carry and they're comfortable with that one AD carry when they get their secondary role. It's worth investing time in one of them. Yeah. Just play like maybe what, a week or two, you think, would be enough to make me comfortable, you reckon? To be honest, you can learn at the same time as long as you focus during the time you sit secondary role. Yeah. Like, if you get secondary role, don't just view it as like a... Yeah, okay. Because it's the mindset you play when you play a secondary role. Mm. 
I've learned that myself. If mm. I play half ass, I'm like, oh, I'm support. I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. Versus, no, okay, I'm playing Alice because Alice is my one, right? right? Yeah. I'm just spamming Ali no matter what. I just blind pick it. Really? Even, yeah. Huh. I've got a really good win rate on it because yeah. I've only played Ali. If they counter pick me with Morg, I don't care. Yeah. I got it because I'm just, that's the one I'm all in on my Alistair, right? Yeah. And just figure out a way to get good at it and I actually take that game really seriously. I don't just view it as like a, oh, I'm secondary role. Don't need to try as much. No, yeah. I'm, I'm trying really hard. Yeah. And you actually will improve, surprisingly, if you do that. So my tip would, yeah, you could do Nathan's technique, go on a second account, only play that champion. Or you could just take, just make sure you only play that one champion in your secondary role. And if, if that one champion gets picked, then just dodge, honestly. Yeah. It's fine. That yeah. won't happen often enough. No, yeah, so won't just dodge. Often. All right. Hopefully that answers your question. Oh, so that was from Debaser, I think. No, Victor. Victor. Oh, that was his... his, his uh, cool, yeah. Like, all right, so well, we'll do a, wrap it up. So we'll do a question. Yeah, we'll do a question on the episode. Question extravaganza. I think the last one. We I did. think we have a lot banked up, right? We need oh, to get through. We got like hundreds. Of Holy moly! <laughs> we won't even get through. Remember, we did the Christmas one, dude. We only. I think we did like twelve or thirteen. Not even. I think oh, we did yeah. like ten. So we got a lot to get Ooh, through. Yeah. A lot of people need to be on Nathan's mailbag. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up. Episode is thirty-six. Episode thirty-six of the Broken by Concept podcast. Thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time.